welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. All right. As we approach the high school football season, we're going to bring another coach on to start our episode. And this week, it is Ryan Bird, head coach at Wilson Memorial High School, taking the Green Hornets job this season. And coach, I mean, let's start off first year at Wilson. What should we be expecting uh, under your tutelage here from the Green Hornets? Um, yeah, so we're going to be playing hard, playing fast. We uh, big emphasis on defense running to the football. Uh, now I talked with some of the assistant coaches uh, who returned. That was a big thing, just getting those guys fun around on the defensive side of the ball. And then um, offense, we want to we want to play fast, do what we do, um, and then just try to wear down um, the other teams. So that's a big thing. So, uh, you know, being from the area, it, it sticks out to me. And we talked to Coach Rolf last week, and, and, and we talked about you just for a second. Uh, you know, coming from Fort Defiance, having been an alum, I think uh, it was a quote from you when you took the job of, hey, this was kind of my biggest rival going through high school, and now here I am coaching them. What, what the, what's been that dynamic? Uh, you know, I, I'm sure professionally, you know, you go first, but, you know, taking the ribbon from some of the parents and, and supporters, around, uh, how, how's that been going? Yeah, no, it's been great. Um, both sides, um, the community at Wilson, um, very supportive, always asking um, what they can do to help out. Uh, I try to get some of the guys to help out in the community as well. I think that's a big part. Um, community from Fort, very supportive there. Uh, Coach Rolf, uh, he told me I better take the job if I was offered the job. Um, then you got Josh Pogorski. He uh he called me. He was like, "You better apply for the job." I was like, "I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not doing. That. I'm not going to Wilson." Um, <laughs> uh, just for growing up, it's yeah. it was always a battle with Wilson. And then uh, good friend growing up, Connery Swift. We would have battles um, on the football field. I gave him a cheap shot one time, and then the next play he scored a touchdown. And then he just looked at me and laughed. Uh, and just battling with those guys growing up because, um, I mean, we're right there next to each other. Yeah. We got all the kids in Verona uh, when I was playing and Grotto's, Cremora kids. It was, it was a rivalry from the beginning. So it'll, it'll be fun. Um, but the community uh, in Fishersville is, has been great. Well, speaking of the community in Fishersville, they're kind of expecting a lot out of Wilson this year. They, they're coming off a very successful season last year, getting into that region playoff and hoping to build on that success. I know it's still very early, um, but it is, what do you view as a realistic goal for this Wilson Memorial team in Class 3C, which is such a tough, tough region? Uh, absolutely, it's tough. Uh, um, it's just building on last year uh, what Coach Bugden did uh, for this program. He started getting it uh, rising up again. Um, so it's just continuing that momentum. <clears throat> um, our goal is make it to the playoffs. I'd love to host a playoff game, especially for these seniors. It's a small group of seniors. Uh, and they've stuck through it. Um, I think this group was freshmen, or they were freshmen when COVID was around. <laughs> um, so it's a smaller uh, senior group, but they're good leaders. They're great kids. Um, I wouldn't trade them for the world. So that's a big thing. Just keep improving 
and those seniors are doing great with the younger guys as well. And the younger guys are actually pushing the seniors. Um, I told everybody when I took the job, I was like, I don't know anything about you guys. I was like, I don't care. It's a new year, new coach. So the best guys are going to be out there and play. Talk about some of those players. I mean, you know, a lot of the highlight players that we spoke about covering the games on the radio last year, you know, Pogorski, uh, the quarterback, he graduated, Blake Rogers, um, Robinson, you know, just a list of guys that, that you coached against um, mm-hmm. that had to be tough, tough to play against. But still you have Ryan Mundy there, Brandon Tyree, um, the Balcom kid, uh, you know, talk about them and some of the other guys that are, are stepping up for you, uh, whether it's seniors or the underclassmen. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, Ryan, um, Braden, um, they're going to be a big piece of uh, our offense. And then you have Ronan Tabler. He's going to be our quarterback. Uh, so he's a little dual threat and he can run, he can throw the ball. Um, he, the growth that he has had since last year is it's, you can tell he's growing up. Um, then our, our line, it's going to start with our line. They know that too, uh, both sides of the ball. <clears throat> um, they're doing great things. They're battling. We're having tough practices. So uh, we got Mike Herndon over there as well, uh, coaching with me. So Brought he brings, yeah. yeah so um, he's, see, he's the intensity. Guy, so I feel yeah. like he's stolen from me a little bit there. So. <laughs> hey, that's all right. Look, <laughs> so um, just using him. Uh, I mean, you got that guy who Division One uh, yeah. full ride uh, had a little run in with the Saints, and I mean. He he brings new stuff to the table that the older coaches haven't seen before. So having us younger coaches in, uh, mixing up some newer things with older guys, uh, it, it's good. And that's something I wanted to hit on with you. I mean, obviously, <clears throat> uh, you're one of the young coaches in the area. And uh, what, what's that dynamic been like with working with some of the other coaches in the past and now, you know, as this shifts to you being a head coach of your own pro, uh, program, talk about you know maybe some of the advantages you have as being a young coach. I mean, you mentioned one there with Herndon, but talk more about that of uh, you know some of what you think sets you apart that gives you an advantage being a young coach. Yeah, so I mean, we have 11, 12 coaches on staff, including myself, and it just um, we're able to relate to every kid um, at Wilson. <clears throat> um, Kids don't believe me, but I hunt and watch NASCAR. I do everything. I'm from Grottos, Virginia, so um, I know my roots. Uh, but it's great. This coaching staff, we're very close. Uh, we'll get, we'll, we'll go golfing. Uh, haven't had a coaching staff really to be able to do that with yet. So, and then it's very competitive on the golf course. <laughs> so that's that's uh, been great. Uh, we're trying to beat each other all the time in practice. Uh, but I think that helps with the kids as well when they're seeing we're competing as coaches against one another in a good way. Um, it, it, it picks them up as well. So, but yeah. Uh, well, you talked about NASCAR there. Now I got to ask you, who's your driver? <laughs> uh, so I sport 2111, uh, Tyler Reddick and Bubba Wallace. I'm a big Denny Hamlin fan now. So uh, I like him a lot. I like what Joe Gibbs does and what he stands for. Um, so every Sunday, um, sitting there watching the race, if it gets rained out, I have it on the on my TV or computer on Monday. So yeah. I, I never miss a race. So, but yeah. 
I want to keep up. I want to know your other fandoms. I had that written down here, probably looking at football. What, uh, you know, what, uh, what do you watch on the weekends uh, when you're watching football? Uh, what teams are you supporting there? Um, so the family brainwashed me. Um, my mom side of the family's from Ohio, so I'm a Buckeyes fan. Um, so got to, you, know, you know, being a Buckeyes fan, always, you know, losing. Yeah. Win a national oh, yeah. <laughs> so. Um, uh, that's, that's who I pull for. Uh, and then being from around Emory or going to Emory, uh, old Tennessee, I like to see them do well. Um, get to sing old Rocky top here and there. Uh, but yeah, so I like, I'm the SEC is what I really like to watch just seeing those guys play. Well, we were with you for a little bit last year with uh, Hendon Hooker coming from Tech. We're both Tech fans. Uh, yeah, we were. We were. I don't know bandwagon, but just along for the Hooker ride uh, down there, and that was fun. That was a fun ride last year. Yeah. So I think it's Tennessee because I, I love orange. So you know they yeah. got they got good color schemes like that on their jerseys. So. <clears throat> so when when you're bringing your coaching influences into this program for your first job, who are you, who influenced you into what you're bringing to these kids? Um, so coach Newsom, uh, head coach down at Emory and Henry. I talked to him a lot. Um, and then coach Grandy, he's out at Iowa state now. Uh, those, those two Guys, they were uh, like father figures to me while I was down at school. So they pushed me to be the best that I could, uh, even in difficult times. Um, they were always there for me. Uh, Coach Goforth, I called him. I was like, Coach, I'm not doing this. He was like, yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked a little bit there. Um, Josh Pogorski, uh, Damian Fink, uh, who's over at Fort. Um, and then Coach Rolf, uh, He, we had – long talks it's been probably two three years we've had talks like this um and he's another one a father figure to me as well um and he was like if you don't do this i'm gonna put my foot up your butt <laughs> so um those those guys right there they they've helped out a lot um so i'm sure that i'm missing some but those yeah, guys I, are the ones who stick out there's a guy that helped me through a lot of problems in life, and I think you've heard about this, but uh, Coach Timmy Chain, at one point, he really helped me through life in college mm-hmm. or so, but I know you uh, you were around him some too. Yeah, so definitely, yeah. Uh, I'll reach out, talk to him every once in a while, so it's always cool to have those connections from previous coaches. I think um, uh, I, I might just leave this as a reference and not really explain it, but I think Steve Cash might have told you um, uh, the Timmy Chain use we had in college. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I was making sure, make sure you're on the same page as that. That's, yeah. That was, he's a helpful man. Exactly. So. <laughs> you were talking about Coach Rolf, though, and, you know, he encouraged you to take this job. And with Coach Rolf still being at Fort, that's got to be a game that I know there's already the rivalry there that makes that both, both schools start circling that game. But for you, that's also got to be, you know, not necessarily, I mean, I'm sure you're going to be competitive and want to win that game, but not from a, added fuel to the fire rivalry standpoint, but also kind of an important milestone game for you because you're going up against one of the guys that you've just told us, you know, influenced you in your coaching styles. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know that game week, we won't talk to each other. <laughs> um, it'll be very awkward there. 
uh, standing during warm-ups. We'll probably just sit there and crack up, to be honest. Um, but I know he'll have his guys prepared. Um, and I, I wish them the best, except for one week. Um, but I know he's going to be uptight that week during uh, school. And so will I. Um, so we got to make sure we're able to make it through the school day before we get out to the football field. Um, but it, it'll, it'll be a great experience uh, just coaching against Coach Roth um, and then just all the memories that we've had. So, yeah, we'll sit there and just smile. And then after the game, shoot, we'll probably go – or that Saturday we'll probably go get one of his big gulps at 7-Eleven. <laughs> so. <laughs> well – I, congratulations on getting this job, and I know you've been hard at work ever since uh, getting it and getting prepared for this season. It's a it's a high standard at Wilson. You know, we track all the district success, and Wilson has has won the uh, Yak Cup uh, mm-hmm. both years, both these last two years. So uh, you have your hands full to keep up with all the other athletic success that's happening there in Fishersville. Yeah, absolutely. And um, talk to administration at Wilson, and they're like, Ryan, don't put too much pressure on yourself this year. And I was like, look, I've been you guys didn't hire me and I didn't take this job to um, not do well. So I got to make sure I'm doing what I need to do to um, be that standard. Well, we look forward to covering you, but before you get out of here, we ask a lot of, uh, a lot of guests, these kind of questions uh, aside from football, uh, you know, entertainment purposes. Uh, usually we ask, uh, w- what are you binge watching? What movies have you seen recently? Or what are you <clears throat> shows you binge watching on uh, Netflix? And uh, you know, some coaches just give us the, you know, game tape answer, but I, I have faith you're going to give us a better one, better one than that. Yeah, so uh been busy with the fiance, building the house, having a baby and everything. So uh haven't really watched too much of that, but um sure. I I I'm about to have to be forced or I'm gonna be forced to watch uh Virgin River uh with okay. the fiance. So hey, it, the fall's coming around, so I'm a candle <laughs> guy. Uh so watch Virgin River with some uh candles and yeah, so I, I got to get caught up with that. I, I'm in the doghouse. So, um, see, my my wife watches that while we record this uh, podcast. So that's how I get out of that one. But there's yeah. There's a... <laughs> so typical night, you know, I'm I'm old. Uh, I watch the news, then don't, I'll watch Jeff. I'll watch Jeopardy. Don't tell me you're old because that makes me really old. <laughs> uh, watch Jeopardy and then uh, Wheel of Fortune. And yeah, after that, it's typically bedtime, but thank <laughs> God that football's uh, starting back up. So I'm able to watch that. So there you go. But yeah. So, well, coach, thanks for coming on with us. Really appreciate having you. We look forward to watching you have success out there. Look forward to covering you on Fridays and uh, we'll talk to you down the road. All right. Thank you guys. And thank you guys for everything that y'all do. Hey, thank you. Thanks again to Coach Bird for hopping on and talking to us to start this week's episode. Uh, and Leland, you know, great interview there. And uh, I, I know when we were getting off, he was saying, you know, just got to get through these first five weeks. And we were yeah. talking just not an easy schedule for a first year head coach there. No, and we talked about that in our preview. And, and I, you know, I kind of signal Wilson when we talked about each week, the game of the week. There was so many Wilson games because it's just I think 
based on what they did last year and knowing what they have coming back, I just think they're that kind of pivotal team this year. That's gonna be, it's going to be interesting to see which way they go. On, do they take a step back? Do they stay where they are? Or maybe even take a step forward? Or is it some kind of middle ground there? And, and you could kind of logically explain any of those possibilities happening. But, I mean, obviously root, rooting for him in his, in his first year. And it gets hard during district season because we talked to all these coaches and, you know, so many in our area. I mean, I mean they're all nice guys. I, I don't know who I'm rooting against in this area. So it gets tough uh, for rooting. But, you know, especially that Fort game is going to be real interesting to watch. And, and uh, I guess that's a week eight game uh, in middle October. And, and that's going to be just absolutely, you know, fun to see what comes out of that game, what goes into that game. And, and it, it's going to be a fun ride for him. And I, it sounds like, you know, we, we talked to Wilson, um, athletic director Craig Flesher a year ago, and then we talked to um, the girls' soccer, uh, soccer coach Kyle Congleton this spring and we talked about how that whole athletic department is built with supporting each other in the success. And I mean, that really stuck out to me right there where he talks about, you know, administration saying, Hey, don't put too much pressure on yourself. I mean that you can tell that's a well-led athletic department. When you talk to your first year football coach, who's coming off, coming on a team that is coming off of playoff season and they're saying, Hey, don't put too much pressure on yourself and all that. And, and he has the right answer saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm doing that to myself and, you didn't hire me and I didn't come here to, you know, not do my best. And that's the right answer, but it's, it's cool that at least he's getting that acceptance from them and, and, um, you know, gauged expectations, at least from the people that matter right there. So that that's good to hear. I, I think that might explain some of the success we're seeing across the board there at Wilson. Right. I think you're right, but we'll talk more about the high school football season next week because we've got one more week before the real games start. I know they had some scrimmages, but um, yeah, nothing I didn't hear of. I I, I just don't think there's any major news. Yeah, no major news. Um, But we do have high school volleyball. We're going to set the table this week because the high school football starts uh, the following week and we'll probably be football heavy that episode. So (laughs) we've got volleyball this week. Uh, Obviously, Fort Defiance story of the year. Can they repeat? They're actually going to be in 2B. So the not that 2B is a pushover region, but when compared to 3C, it's a little bit easier to get through. So can they go even further into the playoffs uh, this season? That's going to be one of the big questions in the volleyball season. Yeah, I mean, state semifinals last year in Class 3, you would have to think, especially knowing some of the talent they have. They, they lost some players, but some of that talent coming back is going to put them as, you know, a team circled on every 2B team schedules, out, out of district, uh, you know, scared of them in the playoffs because these girls have gone into the playoffs and won playoff games at the Class 3 level. And if anything, that just gives them confidence in Class 2 to also do that. Not saying it's it's that much easier. When you get deep in the playoffs, everybody's good. But these girls have won at that level and, and won state quarterfinal games and played in, you know, teams tough in the state semifinals like they did last year against um, – uh, Hidden Valley. So uh, a lot of experience there. Amber Pittsburgh is going in her second year, um, keeping up the the high expectations, keeping up the um, the bar that's been set there. And uh, they were 12 and 0 in the district last year. So yeah, I think Wilson took one set from them in one of the meetings. Um, and between Wilson and Riverheads, who finished second, third, that was the only set for loss to, to one of those teams. Uh, so, you know, you just kind of got to scratch at them. If you're Wilson, uh, Lauren Groves has been a coach there for a long time. Um, 
Riverhead's Amy Moore. She's in her maybe third season. Um, you know, they're, they're going to just trying to be scratching at the Indians there. And the thing about Riverhead's, they're moving up to class two. Fort Defiance moving down to class two. So they're competing for the same region title. So, uh, you know, where you do in the past, maybe take your lick from Fort Defiance and say, hey, let's make us better in the long run. Well, now um, this is <laughs> this matters for you in the playoffs immediately. So uh, a little different dynamic in, in volleyball this year with the region changes, but it's it still sets up for who can take down Fort Defiance. And, and, and like I said, I think Wilson and Riverhead's the first teams you look at. I, I also look at Buffalo Gap and maybe being a bit better this year. I thought maybe they didn't quite do what we thought they would last year, so I kind of expect them to kind of take that step up and, um, and, and see what we can get out of them. Well, and another thing to keep in mind, especially in 2B, because that is where the bulk of our teams are uh, this year, uh, but Stewart Shraft and Riverheads last year were very similar teams, and now that they're going to be in the same region, those matchups will matter even more. Absolutely. And, and that's what I really like, you know, being the Riverheads Homer, I, I claim it. Uh, I like going to Tubi in all honesty, whatever it means for anything. I like it. And, um, you know, where we get some deep postseason runs and I, other than football, people just kind of turn their nose up at it. I think that, you know, there, there is some of that because region one B is not that hard in a lot of sports. Um, so I like that they're going to be challenged earlier and really earn their deep runs. And I think they're capable of doing it. You know, I, there is a plenty of sports Riverheads performs well during the regular season. That's why they're third in the at cup. So I do think they'll still find their success. It just might not, you know, be quite as deep as it's been. Um, but you know, they're going to be competing against Stewart Strat, Fort Defiance right in our area, which is going to be really fun. Um, and, and other teams we're really familiar with up 81. So, right. uh, yeah, I, I like this for volleyball because Riverheads has been really strong in volleyball. I mean, they, they went to those class one finals a bunch of years in a row. And, and like I said, it, it doesn't matter what level you're playing at. When you get to the state playoffs, everybody's good. And Riverheads was getting there. They were good. So I'm interested to see what they can do in 2B, maybe a little different mindset of what they're taking away from these regular season meetings and, and, and measuring themselves and knowing they have to get to that level. It's not, oh, we're getting better because of that. It's like, oh, that's what we got to be playing at. And so that'll be fun to watch. It will. And, uh, you know, again, that'll be something we keep our eyes on as this season rolls on. But it's going to be an absolutely intense volleyball season where, absolutely. you know, we expect for it to obviously be at the top. But then that race for second. Is it Wilson? Is it Riverheads? Is it draft? Is it gap? Um, yeah. That's going to be kind of a big, big log jam. Obviously, Wilson kind of has that advantage, but really, um, Riverheads, Draft, Gap, those are three teams that I think could very easily, you could just pick a name out of a hat, and either one of those teams could end up third in that district. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's going to be fun to watch. I plan to get to more games this year. Uh, we got we got little ones in the house that are more interested in volleyball now, uh, so we're going to try to make it out to some more games, see some of these district games, and, and see some of these uh these good players that we haven't said, we've produced a lot of good volleyball talent out of this area. So uh, get out there to those games. They're fun. Well, let's talk about college football. Uh, The top 25. (laughs) Yeah. The top 25 came out uh, and the top five uh, are Georgia at one, Michigan two, Ohio state three, Bama four, LSU five. Um, No real surprises in the top four there. Um, LSU being five is interesting. I I know here you have the question who in the top five will finish outside of the top five. 
and uh, I, I've got two. I don't think LSU or at Ohio State is in the top five okay. at the end so you, of the year. So, so you're taking LSU. I'm taking Ohio State, and and Ohio State's my answer because I believe in Michigan this year. I honestly didn't realize everybody was as high on Michigan as they are. Uh, it was kind of this week and then leading into these rankings before I realized that. Because um, I was just hearing enough stuff and reading enough stuff, but not it just didn't seem like the hype train was turned all the way up on them. Uh, so where I was kind of surprised they were ranked second. I thought maybe top five, but I was surprised they preseason second because that's where I was going to have them. I said, I think they're going to make the national championship game was what I was saying in my head. So to do that, that means a late season win against Ohio State. I think that'll take Ohio State out of the mix, the playoff, and, and knock them out of the top five. And I kind of figured you were going to go with LSU. Yeah, I, I just their schedule is going to be the reason they don't end up in the top five. Yeah, they got and a the lot same, like, of tough if, games, and, and I just, well, I don't know. I, I just I, don't think they're going to win all those games. I think it's the same too for like Alabama. Alabama has a real schedule. I mean, Texas. I know you you never like Texas, but that, say, that's a real non. That's a that's another team, right? That I looked at and I was like, gosh, could there be three teams in the top five that don't end up in the playoff? But yeah, um, they have a tough schedule and they play LSU and they play all those other SEC teams. So like, it could be Alabama. <laughs> like it could. It just. It, it, I think that's why Alabama's fourth because people have questions. They don't have Bryce Young at quarterback. Sure, they have another great quarterback coming in there, but they they lose a lot of pieces. These other teams are returning a lot of pieces. So I, I kind of like the change of pace here of let's let Alabama prove it for a minute before we anoint them the best team in college football. I do think Alabama will probably have fewer problems with Texas than they did last year just because that game is going to be in Alabama um, yeah. versus last year when they had to actually go on the, the true road game to a non-conference opponent and struggled a little bit there. Uh, whereas, you know, you look at the non-conference road game this year and it's South Florida. That's the usual Alabama non-conference road game. Um, they, I'm not going to knock Alabama's schedule. They have a, they have a tough schedule. Oh, I will. I, and they schedule Texas. I don't care what Texas is. They schedule Texas. That's doing something. And every team in the nation has a South Florida kind of game. So that's fine. okay. But do they have the South Florida game and the Middle Tennessee State game? I do. I hate the. I just hate the timing of those. Not and the whole. Do they SEC have the Chattanooga game at the la, next to last game? That's of the, year? the one I hate. The November non-conference games across the ACC. I hate them. I wish. I wish they. I wish they wouldn't. The allow SEC. Them. The whole yeah. SEC does it, and the whole SEC continues to be very good at football. So it's hard to say. It's it, it's hard to say it hurts them or it's bad. I just don't like it as a fan. I don't like the timing of that game and, and throwing that game in there in the mix of you know, ranking runs down the stretch of the season. Yeah. So the other question I posed on our little chart here was who outside of the top 10 has the best chance to be in the playoffs. So who's going to get up there? I have a, I have a solid answer ready for you. Yeah. Um, My first answer is no one. Um, But if I have to give one, assuming Joe Milton, the third is what we saw in that bowl game. For a whole season, it'll be Tennessee. That'd be cool. That'd be different. That's going to shake up that top four for sure. If Tennessee is one of those teams in the playoffs, so that would be cool. And and yeah, our their biggest obstacle, their biggest obstacle to that though is not only having to go to Tuscaloosa, but uh, Georgia. I think Georgia is a bigger obstacle than Alabama. The number one team, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I'm not against that. I'm against different in the SEC. I usually am. If it wasn't for Spencer Rattler, I'd be hoping South Carolina was that kind of team. But not not quite there yet. Let let's let get him out of that school before I start rooting for that. My pick for who's there is going to be TCU. I believe they played in the national championship game last year. Uh, they did. I believe. I believe they bring back a whole chunk of players that were meaningful on that team last year, not quarterback, but the guy that was expected to be the quarterback last year, he's ready to go this year. And so I think they have, uh, they really know who they are as the season starts. I think they're going to be undefeated for a while into the season here. I see them rising up to that top area. And then in the last part of their schedule where it gets real and they play some of those ranked uh, big 12 teams, I, I think they'll get them. So I think TCU has that best shot um, at getting into the top four. Now, I do think they're going to have to go undefeated. I do think they're going to have to make that run um, because of what can happen in the other conferences. You know, when you start looking at Michigan or Ohio State only having one loss and maybe it's with that other team and what the SEC can sometimes do, I, I do think TCU's going to got to have that undefeated mentality but I think TCU kind of has that best shot. Yeah, and their non-conference schedule probably isn't going to do them any favors either. Um, right. Being Colorado, Nickel State, Houston, and SMU. But um, they're going to they're gonna play teams that are probably ranked or close to ranked at the end of the season when you kind of make that run at the end of the season and, mm-hmm. the, and the people's rankings will be influenced by that. Yeah, I, I mean, o- Oklahoma being the last game of the year, I do wonder. Right, because Oklahoma was so bad last year. You do wonder. This is kind of the test. Yeah, if they're bad like again, and yeah, if they're bad again, then that's a Ven- that's a Venables problem. And uh, but on the flip side, you have Iowa State there early in the conference season. That might be a game they win, and then Iowa State uh, can string together some wins, and, and maybe that that's a game that we look back on and is better uh, than yeah. when they the day they kick off. If they're sitting there six, seven, and oh, they'll be inside the top ten, you know, within striking distance. And so then if they get some of those big wins late, like I I think they can, I think that gives them that opportunity. Hey, we're talking about a a, a sport where <laughs> usually the top whoever's ranked the top six is pretty much kind of written in stone at some point. So uh I think TCU's that party crasher again. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm all for party crashers and people upsetting the boat. Um I hope that one of I'm hoping that one of the things that happens with conference realignment is not the uh, dissolution of this playoff uh, where we get people outside the traditional power five into a playoff. I'm hoping that's not a casualty of all the conference realignment, but if I know college football, uh, they'll (laughs) probably try to do it. So they'll probably say, Oh, well we don't need these uh, outside playoff spots now that we've, assembled everyone who has ever been good, like Northwestern and Vanderbilt in the power five. So uh, let's not let anybody else in. Um, I don't, I don't need to see San Jose state. That's a, that's a phrase of the show, right? (laughs) Yeah. You didn't need to see, you didn't need to see Purdue get upset or UMBC in the March madness either, apparently. Um, But uh, yeah, I, I think in terms of college football, you know, Week zero is, gosh, technically next, what, next week? Yeah. Notre Dame plays Navy. I think that's the highlight of the, of the lineup. No Nebraska. What was it? Nebraska getting beat last year by 
Northwestern. It was Northwestern's only Northwestern. win of the year. Oh, and it came in Ireland. Mm. I think that Notre Dame game, it's over there. San Jose State plays your boys. They play USC, right? Yep. Yep. And then that following week, uh, kind I'm of not going to watch them then either. <laughs> well, you won't because you would have to have the Pac-12 network, which I don't think <laughs> is real. I um, think that they, I, I, at this point with the Pac-12 network and how many teams have bolted that conference, I, I assume now it's not even like oh. available on any <sighs> device. I think like Elon Musk's skylights or something act out the game. I think that's how you I'm watch telling you, they would They would kill for the CW right now. Um, but yeah, they, that, you got to watch out that CW. You get, you get cut off for reruns of Roseanne. I don't That's <laughs> That's true. Um, but yeah, then hey, it goes, just, dude, hey, we're throwing shade and some of the ACC games got picked up by the CW. Yeah, Virginia Tech will be the one getting kicked off for Roseanne. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, even that first week, uh, you know, looking at these games here, um, not a lot to love. No, I'm busy that weekend, so I, I'm not. Oh, I also, same. Um, I, I felt like last year there were some good week one games. This year I'm looking at it, I'm like, what am I supposed to get excited about? UNC, South Carolina? Hey, why you got Timmy West Chain Virginia, at Vanderbilt? West Virginia, Penn State. Oh, week one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, the next week, uh, that week one, I will be watching. Week one um, will not be exciting. Week zero is not. Week, week zero one. is also not exciting, but week one not exciting. LSU, Florida State. Uh, that's not week one. It is Sunday, September third, Labor Day weekend. I don't see it. It's on Sunday. Oh, there it is. All right. Okay. I Number stand five versus eight. I, that carries a little bit of weight. That's one. All right. Um. Yeah. South Carolina, North Carolina. Eh. Yeah. The, I the mean, more disappointing Carolina this year. Boise That's, State, Washington. That game does not matter. Come on. I'm trying here. <laughs> I know we were talking a lot of high school, so it's probably worth giving this a look i'm used to those thursday night games that lead in florida utah on thursday night number 14 ranked utah at utah Ooh, look at florida traveling that's about time somebody from the sec traveled we get one every year this year it's florida last year it was bama this year it's florida uva at tennessee isn't that a, a big game for us in this area that'll be a big game for tennessee <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, that LSU Florida State's good enough to, to carry uh, a good amount of weight. But, yeah, there's not – it's not heavy. That week two, week two could be exciting. It better be. I mean, I'm going to be excited. I'm a, I'll come up with a reason to be excited about week zero by, by the time we get to that Saturday. But yeah. high school football is going to dominate my thoughts that, that week and next week. So Yeah. Well. And I'm going week two. I'm going to the Purdue Virginia Tech game. There you go. And my wife is going to the UVA game because JMU is going to go over there and beat them. I know. Got to talk to a mutual friend and uh, talk about some tickets there. Um, I had to order them straight from UVA. I bought the tickets. Sending I would my wife not. to the game without me. 
And now they email me every day about buying more tickets. Yeah. I would Unless you're going to offer me tech that. tickets, I am not interested. I did that for basketball, and I would prefer not to do it for football. Um, but it may come to that. The NFL <laughs> preseason did start. Um, man, I don't know how to care less. I, You know what? I appreciate that it seems like the preseason hype has died a bit. And I appreciate that. Like, let's be like, it seemed like it was so crazy for some years there when I was in college, when I got out of college, it just seemed like they pumped how important these preseason games were. And it's finally, it just seems like everybody's just like, yeah, we know it doesn't really matter. So like, I, I actually appreciate this time of year a little bit better. Cause I don't feel like I'm like fighting the, the train that's like telling me that this week one preseason game matter. It doesn't. And it, you're going to, play your starters maybe a series and then get them off the field. That third week of the preseason where you play like your starters the first half. It's week two now. Remember? Week two, whatever they do it. That's what matters. Otherwise, it just doesn't. And the premium guys that, you know, put themselves in more danger than others, they don't even play that. And that's that's fine. I'd rather these guys be healthy in the regular season. So would these owners and coaches and everybody else. And you have another week at the regular season. Just – yeah, I'm glad that the hype train surrounding the preseason has died a bit. I am too. Um, now, when I was watching uh, and eating dinner in Northern Virginia while I was hanging out with my brother and they had the games on and they were showing highlights of the Buccaneers Steelers, did I sit there and go, wow, Kenny Pickett kind of sucks. Same stat line as Baker Mayfield. Um, yes. <laughs> did I think about texting Leland that? Yes. But then I was like, uh, I don't care. I didn't even pay attention to what Baker review. I saw everything was positive about, about my Steelers on Twitter. So I moved on. Um, I didn't, I didn't watch the highlight. I think, I think Rob Ron sent me one highlight that I watched and that was it. It's fine. I I'm optimistic. I am quietly optimistic about the season this year. We'll talk more about that as it approaches. Um, but you know, that's up from what I think has been below standard for what we want in Pittsburgh. I'd, I'd like to win a playoff game. I think that's kind of where we need to get back to here and, and a step in the right direction to get on to where we want to go. And um, I don't know. So that's I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, quietly optimistic. Um, Joe Burrow being hurt doesn't hurt my feelings any. So. No. All right. Well, I don't. I don't know. We'll talk about NFL in a couple of weeks. I we it's the what is the fourteenth before that starts? Yeah, they only play three preseason games, and then they, I think they have that week off before the season. I don't. I don't know this new schedule. Then all right. Well, that's well interesting. when they added the regular season game, they took away a preseason game. But they still start the same. Ah, uh, well, like, then maybe they don't have the week off. Maybe it's just it seems later than usual. I remember that you starting in Labor Day. So. Uh, nope. I remember week one and the nine 11 tributes during week one. Oh yeah. I remembered life before then. So I remember when it used to be in Labor Day. <laughs> like I remember. Yeah, Labor but I'm Day saying it's, it hasn't been that for a while. It's, it's been a while. Point. It's been a while. Yeah, like yeah, 22 yeah. years is a long time. Like, yeah, it's only half my life. So <laughs> I mean, that's like saying, well, Virginia tech, they don't play the same teams. Uh, I mean, I remember when we used to play Rutgers and temple and, we were in the Big East. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, it just seems it, it feels. I think maybe the way the calendar hits this year, being the fourteenth, seems 
a touch later, but it's probably just the, how the weeks line up this year. It's fine. I'm really not arguing that point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, three preseason weeks. So, huh. Well, what else you got for us, Leland? Man, I've produced this whole sheet, and you're acting like, what else do I got? Uh, I did. Uh, Spoken of NFL, that's what I want to talk about here. I watched the first week of Hard Knocks with uh, yeah. Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, and man, it was a rare. It was Aaron Rodgers Hard Knocks. I mean, the whole first episode was about Aaron Rodgers. There was two little blurbs about other guys fighting for a position or this or that, um, but it was definitely Aaron Rodgers, which is the biggest story there, but. Uh, I'm used to hard knocks really focusing on those guys that are they going to make it? Are they not? And guys that kind of become stars there. And this is how I got big on Detroit last year. And and everybody's on the Detroit train this year. I know I'm not going to be on that one on my own. Um, so I, uh, I watched it. I, you know, it's a well-produced show, so it's pretty good, but it wasn't like as captivating as some other hard knocks I've watched. I'm not, I don't watch it every single year. So um, I, I watched that one. We'll see if I keep watching yeah, I won't. Um, what you do need to watch, though. What I demand you watch. I won't. You, it's, it's so freaking interesting is this Netflix untold Johnny football. It's 72 minutes. It's quick, man. It flies by. Yeah. Because the guy has lived, and he's younger than us. Maybe your age, I don't know. But younger than us. And... uh Everything you thought bad about Johnny football when he was playing, like, man, he's not doing this right. He's probably doing this. And you make up stuff in your head that he's doing. Yeah, he was doing that. And just the blatant, like, disregard of the rules and what he should be doing to prepare for games and the people around him that I can only say enabled him. And this is people with high-profile jobs now or have had profile high-profile jobs. Maybe they're not currently employed. Um, sitting there talking about it too. And it's crazy. And it does not make me like Johnny Manziel at all. I know he's sitting there being brutally honest about things that he did and it's not positive. So you pretty much believe him because it's not, it doesn't shed him in a good light. Um, it doesn't make me feel any better about him, but it makes me feel better about myself that I like, yeah, you could see that. And even through some of the media, sway that they had in there where they're talking him up and I still hated him. It makes me like, Hey, I, I judged this one. Right. Um, the biggest shocker in the whole thing for me. And I, I, I this isn't ruined the whole thing. I still think you should watch it. Cause it, it just like the circles they played around the NCAA. It's just interesting to hear exactly how they did it. One of them was the whole narrative that Johnny football's family, Johnny Manziel's family came from oil money. So when he's getting in trouble for picking up some money for signatures, the whole media is sitting there like, well, he doesn't need the money. You know, like this is a problem with college football that they're not making it. And this is the name, image, and likeness that is legal now. Like this was the start of that argument. But the whole reason that argument was made that he comes from oil money, he's rich and he doesn't need it. And yeah, he got money. He doesn't even care about it. So why, why are we punishing the kid? And that's why he only got a half of a football game suspended for it. His family wasn't rich. His, his, buddy who was kind of managing that whole process completely made that story up. And then you just see Skip Bayless, Colin Cowherd, everybody just running with that story that he's rich and doesn't need it. And so they take the half game suspension. He gets in the game, tears it up immediately. And they just go right back to signing autographs, just like they were before he goes to, I mean, it's just, that was the most shocking thing I saw in the thing was just the 
disregard of the rule were there, but just everything, everything that comes out during it was just amazing. I'm not going to tell you it was the best documentary ever made. I think they had so much crazy crap to pack in there. It gets thrown together to, to a degree. It worries me because this is the same production company making the Florida Gators uh, Netflix documentary that's coming. I think that's an untold mm-hmm. and Florida Gators is what it's going to be, or maybe more something more specific in it. August 22nd. That worries me for the sake of that. I hope that one's maybe a little more thought about put together in the standard that we're used to, that we've gotten used to seeing with the, um, the Jordan documentary and so many of the um, um, ESPN related ones, 30 for 30s and stuff that are really well put together. I'm hoping the directors and stuff for that might have pieced that together in a little bit better way. But I still think this Johnny football thing, if, if you, for anybody listening that watched that guy play, and that's, if you're listening to this podcast, probably you, it's worth watching. It's an hour. I mean, it just go and it, and it, it happens quick. And there's a couple of moments. You're just like, wow, man, like that's freaking crazy. So I watched it. I recommend it. I started it just to like, see if I was going to be into it, watched 15 minutes. Cause that's all the time I had. And I stayed up that night to watch the next, the last 45 minutes because I, I wanted to see like it <laughs> when he starts the whole thing out, the first segment is, He's getting inducted to the Texas A&M Hall of Fame, and he says all the right things at the speech, you know, on the microphone. And then old, old guys with a bunch of money are shaking his hand, and he's like, "I was, you were my guy, even through all the nonsense, you were my guy." And you're just like, "Oh, that's pretty funny." And then it just cuts to him, and he's talking about like every role he broke just instantly. You're like, "Oh, he's he's going to be for real here." So I don't know. It it sucked me in, and uh, it was very interesting and. Uh, you know, solidified my negative thoughts about Johnny football. It's going to be like the Manti Teo one. And, I never watched and that this one. one. I, I, I haven't seen this one yet, but I've, it, it seemed like it was going to be this. It's the same production company. That's what this, the Florida Gators one. I mean, it's going to be like those. It's not going to be like your 30 for 30s. It's yeah. I wish they, this, that this Florida series Gator story is different. Better. Yeah. This series is different. Um, It's not 30 for 30. Uh, there are some things I like about that, and there are some things I don't. I think we get a little more honest portrayal of media coverage because of that, um, because I think the Manti Teo one and this one kind of exposes the lack of actual journalism being done. Ed narratives, yeah. Um, but because how hard would it be to to look into Johnny Manziel's dad and say, wait a minute? Yeah. He doesn't have any oil money. Right. Just like yeah. for Manti Teo's girlfriend, when he's talking about his girlfriend and all this stuff, how hard would it have been for a reporter to have been like, wait a minute, this person doesn't exist. Like, And see, at least with that one, uh, wouldn't it r- remind me just the specific, like that was his girlfriend had passed or something, right? Um, Yes. So there's some sensitivity there that would maybe have you be a step back. You're never going to approach that as I'm going to look into Mante Teo's girlfriend being existing. That That's not the approach you're going to have. So I watched they, a Tom Rinaldi college game day special on it the next freaking week. But I'm saying like the investigative journalism, the angle. If you're, you're doing a story on from, it, the least you could do is look into it. I agree that the media was wrong. I'm really not going to argue that point. Between these two examples that we're putting, at least with Mante Teo and the 
assumed death of a young person, you would have some sensitivity. Looking up if some some dad or grandfather or family lineage of a Texas quarterback actually has money, like that seems easy and not sensitive. Like he's, you'd think that would be the automatic thing to do right in that same timeline. And that that one shocks me more than the Manti Teo one. Wrong still. I'm not arguing that the media was right, but I'm saying at least at least you would expect an investigative journalism to say, is that for real for Johnny Manziel? For Manti Teo, you're not going to approach it that way. You might approach it of, let's find out about the story and tell the story better and find out people that were close with her other than Manti Teo. And no one did. They just listened to him. They sat him in a chair in a dark room, backlit, tears on his face, you know, that kind of stuff. I, I get the difference. Both are wrong journalistically, and, and any journalism teacher is going to tell you it's wrong just the same. Yeah, and, and that was kind of, you know, a social media post was talking about, you know, like those guys were one and two in the Heisman that year. Both had major, major news stories that we're finding out about a decade later because nobody bothered to do their job. Well, Tao, we didn't wait a we found out soon after that it was fake and he got catfished and all that. That You know what? That's true. But but we found out because somebody said to, I don't remember the BuzzFeed, I think it was. Um, I can't remember exactly the which social media yeah. website got Such that. Such a sad but, story. I, I I mean, I felt bad for Mente Tao in that, like at the time. Like, I guess you get the initial like, pfft, like what the hell? How'd you get faked on this? But then like, how embarrassing for him. Yeah, and watching that documentary, I didn't get the sense that he was in on it. Um, the, no, the only question is, the only question there, honestly, is, and with that documentary that I thought brought up maybe a valid question was, when did he find out and did he maybe keep quiet about it longer in hopes that he might get some yeah. sympathy votes for a Heisman? I'll give him... I, I would hope that's not the case, but that question is posed. I that question is posed in the documentary. Um, well, that's a fair question to ask in the situation. I for getting Heisman votes, I would hope. I not. would really hope not. For but, the embarrassment of <laughs> the reality of it. I, oh, I would, I would absolutely understand. understand. Yeah, twenty year um, old doing that. Yeah, but yeah, no, the Johnny Manziel thing is is bad, and um, I, I've. I heard Johnny Menzel being interviewed about this documentary. Um, and I heard him talk about it. And yeah, I don't know. I, maybe eventually I'll watch it. But there's a lot of those untolds I haven't seen because they're not topics that I particularly care about. Um, this one, I, I hated this guy. I hate this guy. I did not. That's the like thing. I don't like him. Like, I, I don't... cheered when he went to Cleveland because I knew he would be terrible. So, like, yeah. I didn't know it existed, honestly, until I turned on Netflix and it said, here's the Johnny Manziel thing. I was like, oh. Yeah. No, I knew that was coming out. See what's up. And, yeah. and so I did, and I don't know. It sucked me in, and I it was entertaining. I'm good. I don't like him. I don't need to hear his story. Here in – here, I don't know. I, I – I recommend it. I it's hearing like the other people talk about it. Hearing Cliff Clansbury talk about it. Hearing the buddy that was his right hand man in college, not so much since, uh, talk about it. Pretty interesting. Hearing his the family talk about the worry for him at the time, which was accurate. How bad it got. I think it did help me. One moment that helped me when I'm seeing Johnny Menzel 
just admit to everything bad he did. The only time I seemed to see like where he was sorry or like embarrassed about what he was talking about was when it involved like a I, I don't know how to frame it, but domestic a domestic dispute with a girl. Yeah, he did seem like he was like I was wrong. Like that was the only time I really saw that. Like okay, the dude at least isn't like Satan here. Like he does seem to have some emotion that that was he he had her in a bad situation and made her feel bad. Like I I did take away okay, he's not <laughs> completely void of feeling here, but anything with NCAA rules or anything, I mean, it was like he was eager to to break them, which, oh, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... He had that ability to, to throw it in the face of the NCAA. Um, that's interesting. <laughs> but yeah, it, it does. I, I don't need to see. I don't need to see it. Um, I shouldn't have said anything about it. You might have watched it if. I wouldn't have said you I, should have. No, I wouldn't have. I, I, I told you. I heard him <laughs> interviewed about it. I even when he was being interviewed about it, I was like, I don't I don't care. I just remember railing about that dude when he was playing. Like Great. when he, he was conned, just he for he that the NCAA. We were on a late vacation and I was watching our tech was gonna play that night against Alabama in the Georgia Dome. And we're on a lake vacation getting ready for that game and that, that Texas A and M game was on and I just remember railing against him like this guy's terrible. I hate him. Yeah, I mean, congrats. You you conned the NCAA and ESPN, the worldwide leader in sports, uh, which has assured us that this new gambling operation that they are now a part of will be totally separate from their journalism department. Um, couldn't be bothered to look up Johnny Menzel's dad's background to see if the money was actually real or not. That makes me feel good. ESPN's going to be a lot better at investigative journalism now that they have fired all their investigative journalism people okay right yeah and, and the uh <laughs> the insiders and the gambling side will be totally separate yeah sure those lines aren't going to jump bef- right before that news gets made sure absolutely not <laughs> it's just that's uh, uh you know what let's talk about that so if, if you're not sure what we're talking about yet basically pin gaming uh had been part of barstool sports they had been partnered Dave Portnoy bought that back allegedly for a dollar. Uh, so he now owns 100% of Barstool. Barstool is its own separate thing. They're out of the gambling business. And they're going to do what Barstool did before they got into the gambling business. It would seem. Um, the flip side of this story is that Pin Gaming bought into, for a substantial amount of money, uh, ESPN. And now it'll be called ESPN Bet which is going to try to break up the power that DraftKings and FanDuel have. Um, I can't remember the exact percentage, but the percentage of the gambling market inside the United States that DraftKings and FanDuel have on app-based betting is insane. Uh, It's some mammoth market share. It's over 50%. And so ESPN is trying to get into that. The third-place people right now are like MGM uh, and Pin Gaming would be one of those like challengers, but they are way, way behind. And so now they're hoping with the brand name of ESPN, that can get them some cachet. That will help them move up. I, I, I will be honest. The, the skepticism I already have of how separated insiders and the gambling thing are what we've seen with Shams, who is also employed by ESPN, but also worked at the time for FanDuel. Um, 
or I guess Shams doesn't work for ESPN now. He, uh, but he is with the athletic or something and was at FanDuel. Um, we, we've seen that kind of crazy story where the, that was get the moved. NFL draft guy, right? That was NBA draft. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was my We saw draft lines move because of that. I'm just not sold that ESPN's not going to try to pull something else similar on maybe not draft, but oh, so and so, you know, they're really thinking he's going to get in the game. They're really thinking he's going to play today. And then you see the lines move. And then lo and behold, come kick off. That guy's not playing. Um, I do not put that past ESPN. I, I don't, I don't have trust that that's going to be on the up and up. And I know what you're thinking, Joe, there are regulators for this. They're going to be all over this. Um, Leland was talking about the Johnny Manziel documentary and nobody doing due diligence. Let me tell you, I have been watching a lot of documentaries on government regulation, just not doing basic due diligence and we, the public uh, suffering the consequences for that. So I have zero faith that anything good will come of this um i honestly maybe it works out for espn in the short term it's a lot of money that gets pumped into the company at a time that leland was talking about they're laying everybody off not just investigative journalism but also broadcast talent and some popular names Uh, so there is that influx of cash which is good news in the short term but long term i i do wonder like if if and this is where espn better be serious about that Right, keeping the insiders away from the gambling thing altogether. Because if a Shams type thing happens at ESPN, that's it. The the credit they don't have what DraftKings and FanDuel have, which is the majority of the market share already there. If they blow this, they're done. Their credibility is done. And not only credibility in the gambling side, but then that will leak over into a way that they have been able to skate so far despite the Adam Schefter stepping in it a couple times, despite, you know, Woj having very different statements compared to other NBA insiders on, on NBA player stories and trades and all that, they've been able to get away with that because financially it hasn't been that big of a, a hit. ESPN can't be directly tied to that. This would be, if, if it comes out that ESPN is using insiders to influence lines or come up with lines or spreads or anything like that, that, that would uh, telling be telling lie having insiders tell lies. To that would be a blow. Lines. That would be a blow Absolutely. that I don't think ESPN would come back from. I do think early on in one of your points, I think they will have an impact on the market share because I think when you go to ESPN.com, which I think is remains from what I've, seen in my media stuff still like people do visit that app and that site if you can look at that score or look at the game and right there click to where you make a bet i do think that's an advantage for them to gain momentum in that market share but where i completely agree with you is when they mess up it's not like when fanduel messes up because when fanduel messes up and the guy basically at some point you can say well we're a gambling site espn isn't well, we're a gambling site. No, we're a national brand owned by Disney, uh, sports watching journalism. Like you have all this tree of stuff that's going on here and all this investment where FanDuel has this little bit and 
even the highly invested guy like Pat McAfee is jumping from you because you just don't have that much going on over here. At the end of the day, you can just, you can, yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a gambling site. We're gamblers. ESPN can't say that. And I think that's what will get them in trouble. At some point, they're going to have to face the music in a different way than those other entities would have to in that situation. And I think it's an unavoidable thing. I, I, don't, I do I don't too. Think it's it, it, to me, I it's honestly, I, and this is where the people who would, that would trust, you know, the regulation, the regulators to come in and, you know, if something is nefarious, step in. I think they would have already done it because I don't think a sports media company, I don't think a media company of any kind really, should be allowed to also be in the gambling business. I don't like that. I don't like the the optics of that. I don't like I don't like it one bit. And I'll be honest, I am not. I didn't have the Barstool Bet app. I'm not going to have the ESPN Bet app. I, I don't like that. I, I don't trust ESPN not to pull some shenanigans and – if they do, it they won't be getting my money on it. Somebody else will be getting my money on it. It won't be ESPN getting my money on it. Somebody else will have my peanuts. <laughs> yeah, DraftKings or FanDuel will get those. Will get those dollars. It won't be ESPN because I, I just I don't think that's right. And I, I I I think it's a question of when, not if that that comes out. There's got to be time to where you hear news. And there's a reaction in that bidding market. And if it's already addressed within that bidding market, it's, it's not fair to the bidder. That's not the market. It's not, not market fair to the bidder, but at the same time, yeah, at the same time, if you, that's one side, right? Yeah. ESPN has oh, the information. Yeah, so they changed the line. They changed the line before they released the information. Or they lie. They lie, put something out to change the line and make a lot more money on something that is not going to happen. That's what absolutely happened at FanDuel at the NBA draft. We talked about it on this podcast. That's absolutely what happened. Yep. And they started pushing the other player being the number one pick, and all of a sudden people started betting it, and it changed the market. And then the same guy that everybody had talked for three weeks being the number one pick was the number one pick. And, and, it, and all the NBA people were like, it was never anything different. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> I think you're going to see that. Now, in Virginia, that's not something you can bet anyway, so – People in Virginia were not affected by that, but there are other states where no. you could, and that, okay. that yeah, matters. Yeah, but you, know, you and I are, are we're hosting a freaking sports podcast. The things that matter, mean something to us, I mean, no, that's messed up for anybody. Oh, it's Everybody absolutely messed up. It's messed up. It's absolutely messed up. And I'm yeah. just saying, it, just because it couldn't happen to us doesn't mean that it right. doesn't no, matter. Shoot. Like, it's it's a problem. Yeah, and, absolutely. And I do, think, like in the world. I, I do think that this is going to be something that ESPN is just going to, Someone there is going to look at the short term and not the long term. And I think, honestly, I think you can look a lot at a lot of decisions ESPN has made recently, and it's short term. They're looking at short term issues, short term solutions, and not big picture down the road. I think anytime you offer the insane amount of money they have offered to the SEC, I think anytime you are trying to consolidate all of your college football or college sports teams into mega conferences, I think you are looking at a short-term solution to try to get as much money and as much eyeballs as possible. And long-term, this is not a success. And that goes for the colleges in that scenario, too. So I'll take this while we're talking about sports money and sports business. Let's go from gambling and the potential nefariousness of that to what is going on in college sports. You've had a lot of college coaches weigh in on this not just in football, but also in other sports, is they're gearing up for another academic year. 
you heard Brian Kelly say, Notre Dame has it right. In college football, every school should be independent. Which Now, did he say, wait a minute, did Brian Kelly say, Notre Dame has it right, everybody should be independent? Or did he say, everybody's right. Notre Dame is right. They yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I read it. I didn't see, I didn't hear it. I read it. Um, but I want to know if he still has the LSU accent because I have not listened to a word out of his mouth since. But honestly, I would appreciate that. I, if every, in, if in college football only, because then these conferences would go back to geography real fast, real quick. So I would love it if college football, they just said college football is its own separate thing. Everybody independent. Because here's the other added benefit of that, Leland. Your major programs might travel ziplining across the country to play each other. Not, not most of them. You get real regional schedules real quick, too. And that would be a win for the fans. It would be a win for the sport, in my opinion. But now we're going to have these mega conferences. And yeah, there's going to be some benefit to that in terms of the, the game we get. But as you and I say all the time, and we try to remind people, and it's, how do I say this delicately? The average fan is dumb. <laughs> the average fan sits there and thinks, oh, USC and the Big Ten, this is going to be great. I love that. Oh, man, they're going to be playing Ohio State and Michigan and blah, blah, blah. And Oregon's going to join see. them and blah, blah, blah. And, oh, and Texas and Oklahoma come to the SEC. Can you, Texas and Florida, Texas and Georgia, Oklahoma. Auburn, Oklahoma, LSU, Oklahoma, Alabama. Oklahoma is Kentucky the second they walk into the SEC. Do you get excited for Kentucky, Alabama? No. USC stepping into the Big Ten. We'll see what they've got. They had a very good year last year for the Pac-12. I'm not as pessimistic about USC. They had a very good year last year. Again, I think is over. I think UCLA has dug their grave. Yeah, probably. because USC's the cool, like UCLA, USC dominates the LA market and the California, Southern California athlete and everything. Like I just, I think UCLA is absolutely. And let's talk about this while we're talking long-term, short-term. For these conferences that are going to mega size up, right? They're going to get that big TV deal. What happens when we treat these as the only two conferences that matter and there's two networks that they're on? And then that TV deal comes up. They're not going to yeah, get that big money in a market. Yeah, and and NBC is not going to buy the SEC from you because they already have the Big Ten. Like you're not getting bidding on anymore. It's you're not going to get the bidding anymore. Yeah. It's going to be that's going to be it. And the money's going to go down. Right. And then all of a sudden, oh man, all those damn travel costs we've had really the, starting to add up. The assumption, which isn't crazy that you will acknowledge isn't crazy is that by the time these TV contracts come up, Amazon, Apple, and everybody are going to be chomping at the bit to get in. So that's the real answer to what you said. And that's just because I, I hear that, you. That question has been presented to me otherwise, but that is acknowledging years down the road. We're not there yet. The we're Pac-12 not there yet. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. They went with, Hey, Apple's going to save us. And the, the team said, no, they're not. And they got out. They didn't even care about what deal it was. As soon as they said the word Apple, they said no, because we still have so enough percentage of the people that want a cable box sitting in their house, equivalent, you know, some version of what, of what they're used to, that it, we're not there yet. We're going to get there. I mean, that's where we're going, and that's why those internet companies are gaining, but we're not there yet. 
they're banking at the end of the next of these uh, contracts or maybe another one before then. But at some point, that's where that's going to keep the money going up instead of plateauing. I, I hear plot. you, but, but allow me to have a counterpoint to that. ESPN is hemorrhaging money now. I think Absolutely. we're all in agreement. Is that going to spin ESPN off? Is that going to get any better in the future? Uh, I th- I agree. Disney is going to yeah. spin that off, and one of the people who could buy that is Apple, right? Apple, you would think, is going to be a player for that, or I mean, another anybody. streaming any service. Of those big ones. Any of those big ones, or another be. streaming <laughs> service could. But Netflix, yeah. and their their tune may change by the time this rolls around. But Netflix has been very vocal, and we don't want live sports. They're not going to overinvest in live sports, I think, is the, the better criteria. They, they, I think, just missed the opportunity to get on live sports, so that's why they're saying that. They were taking their shots at live sports, and they just didn't work. But you have, you have Apple and Amazon and Peacock, which is NBC, um, involved. Yeah, I don't. Peacock is NBC. Like that, that I, I hear that all the time where they bring up Peacock. Peacock's NBC. Like that's still tethered. Like they are tethered, but but it's also Apple, behind a paywall. Apple and Amazon are a different beast than what Peacock is. What happens? And, and Disney is Hulu right now as well. But right. what happens when yeah. a dwindling population that has cable boxes? dwindles to the point where that's not a viable factor. Well, baseball might be dead then too. So. <laughs> baseball actually, yeah, that's that's a problem baseball is going to run into eventually as well. But but with these college sports, you know, yeah. Yeah. You're you're going to hit that problem. There there is a finite amount of money that this thing can get you. And travel it costs like will increase. Pop. It might be decades away, but it seems like we're headed towards a pop. And and, and so uh, it's whatever. Again, this is where I would really appreciate people just saying, you know what? We're doing okay. We don't need – how much money do we need? There's an episode – I don't know if you – have you seen the final season of Ted Lasso? Yeah. Okay. The, there is a scene in one of the episodes where they're talking about the Super League, which absolutely was a real thing that happened. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A conversation that happened over in Europe of these top teams coming together and forming a super league, which would get them way, way more money. But the fans ended up stopping it over there because the fans control enough of clubs to to actually have impact. Um, I would have liked for somebody in the room when this TV money is being thrown around to say, and, and expansion and all this, just to say, how much money do we really need? Are we hurting? No. Maybe we just keep the regional rivalry. Maybe we keep the history. Yeah. And make this money forever. Like make good, yes. great money. Make good, forever, great money forever rather than spectacular money for a short term and then have a problem. Because here's the other risk. And and I, I don't know that this is gonna happen. I hope not, because I like college football. But it's gonna change. It it is and every absolutely and right now when it's, you know, oh, we lost Texas A and M Texas. Yeah, well, we're about to get that back now with the SEC merger. But when we lose this rivalry, when we lose that rivalry, that stinks. But eventually those rivalries that even the ones we do have, as I kept talking about, when we just consolidate, consolidate, consolidate into two conferences, eventually, more and more of those rivalries won't matter because who we've seen They're that team happening. play that team already. They lost. They're done. Get out. Um, 
it's it's going to matter less. And the the less that matters, the less the sport is going to matter. And, yep. and another tr- troubling trend for these conferences, again, and maybe this is why they're trying to get as much short-term money as they can to just cash in while they can. Sports are becoming less and less a part of everyday life for younger people. It is. And I do think there is some naked capitalism as a reason for that. People just view it as like, oh, they don't, it's all about money and whatever. I, I can do this instead and have enjoyment. Um, and they don't feel the attachment to sports that you and I or other people have. What, what was that like interstellar where it was like at the beginning of the movie, they're just like out at a local, it looked like a little league field basically. And they're watching the Yankees play and they're just barnstorming. Like they're just touring as you know, we're, we're the Yankees organization. Right. And like, there's some, <laughs> some reason there might be that's like, Hmm. Yeah. change and like it just seems like there's a lot of decisions being made to shove it in that direction yeah and, and I, I just think there's a lot everybody is celebrating the amount of money being thrown around and again these university presidents probably won't be a problem for them they're yeah. gonna swim in the money and the scrooge mcduck money pits that's fine but but there is gonna come a day where all this is gonna the it's all going to come home to roost. The chickens are going to come home to roost, and someone's going to have a big bill that they're not going to be able to pay. UCLA is leaving the Pac-12 for that reason, allegedly. They they were already they getting to, to a point where yeah. they, they weren't going to be able to afford it. Um, yeah. And some of that is due to mismanagement on the Pac-12 side. Like, you can't create a network that literally no one can get. I don't know how you would get Pac-12 network. Um, but... I don't. I have looked at that, and and honestly, no, I've looked at exactly that. Yeah. At uh, in March when it's like conference tournaments, and I'm like, you know, I'll do the free trial of YouTube TV or whatever one that yeah. carries. The pack. I couldn't figure out which one carried it. Like there no. was nothing national that carried it. Like it's you very regional. Live. You have to live out there, and that is a yeah. dumb, dumb thing to do if you have a conference. Um, and, and and put your games on it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um. But it's and then so that was talking about coaches i said football coaches are being asked about it because it's obviously media days and all that but also women's basketball coaches were asked about it and you know they're they're talking about the thing that is going to affect the vast majority of student athletes it makes zero sense for a volleyball player at ucla midweek to have to fly to maryland and then fly back and be expected to be back at class. It makes zero sense in the spring for baseball teams or softball teams to be making weekend trips across the country or, you know, a midweek series or one game across the country. It makes zero sense for that, but that's what we have created. And I do, I would just love to see in the short term, if we're going to have these mega football conferences, so be it. I would just like to see the other sports be exempt from that. I, I would like to see the regional conferences and other sports because I think that's what's going to – a lot of these sports are already not bringing in money. But, Leland, we have enough D1 schools in the state of Virginia and Maryland, West Virginia, North Carolina, surrounding states. You could make a conference for these other sports and just say, you know what, this can be – you know, we'll call it the – Old Dominion Conference or whatever you want to call it and just 
slap those teams in a conference to play each other in all these other sports. And maybe they still don't make money, but you're not going to lose as much because your travel is just inside the state or one state over versus for your conference games versus, well, you know, big match for UCLA against Nebraska where that's our closest game outside of uh, USC. So we got to travel all halfway across the country. So one of the things I read recently that I kind of understood was once we're, we're at this weird spot with the conference realignment and we're just going to be at this weird spot where you have this like midweek travel worry and stuff like that, that you're talking about. But once it gets big enough, then they'll have divisions within their big conferences that are look a lot similar or like <laughs> remind you of the ACC and the Pac-12. Like you'll have these different versions, a little bit of things getting mixed up now just with the who's going with who, but you'll get back to that to where once it gets, once those megas get to the right number of mega, we'll just get back to where we were to begin with. And uh, it was just like, we're at this weird moment with these, where there's a lot of these problems with logistics where once you add enough more teams, it'll kind of start to resolve itself again. I, but like that makes too much sense for me to believe it's going to get there anytime soon. <laughs> like people are going to, the money grab is just still weird and we still, we don't just, we're, we're not at two yet. Once we start seeing the two better, then I guess we might start accepting those ideas. But like you still have these people trying to stay alive that are obviously walking a plank, the ACC. And, um, and they just watched, you know, the person in front of them go off the thing in the Pac-12. So I don't know. I don't know. I read all this stuff and, and know and and listen and it's also selfish. And I, I think it was good that you brought up that scene in, in uh, Ted Lasso. I don't know. It's such short, short term thinking is what's the problem. And you think all oh, these 10 year media rights contracts are not short term. No, 10 years is short term in, in a lot of a lot of senses. So. Yeah, it is. And honestly, one of the things that hurt the ACC is they signed a like 20 year agreement at the time and 16 or so. Uh, yeah, it was long, way too long. And that's what's hurt them is they signed yeah. the long term deal. Um, and so well, they're not getting in them. on this. That actually helped them in the short term, not die first. It's just going to have them die. They're going to die later. later. Yeah. 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 Um, bleeding out instead of going well, off. The although, you know, I know everyone's saying that, like, wow, this is the only reason the ACC is still alive. I also think that, okay. The ACC would have been more proactive on expansion had they known a TV rights deal is coming up because that's what the Big Ten and SEC did. They knew yep. TV deals coming up, time to expand. Big 12 took what they could get. Big 12 got what they could get out of it. Um, and so I think the ACC would have done the same thing. The ACC would have looked and said, where do we need to get in? They'd that's who we're taking. Yeah, they might still have less money in the SEC or Big Ten, but I, I, it might be comparable enough to where they don't have the mass exodus. Um. Now, I'm also maybe giving the ACC leadership too much credit, which is a fair point. Maybe. Um, but as I said, I, I don't like this. I don't like... <sighs> I don't like what college sports has turned into. And my fear is that the people in charge are going to make as much money as they can, as quickly as they can, consequences be damned. And then we're when we look back in 20 years, this isn't the same. This isn't even anything that's recognizable to us. It, it, and, uh, that's where we're headed. Yeah. And then I 
here's the other thing that sports, and this is where, you know, if I'm going to get, you know, galaxy brain. Shoot Joe, here. Shoot Joe just look at best five years. We're, we're paying the athletes now. Yeah. But if <laughs> I'm like, saying, if I'm going to go galaxy brain here, we have free agency. What's, what, college what sports. It, one of the reasons college sports does have the popularity it has in this country is the average person can have a connection to that community or that, that school, right? Yeah. Because even if you didn't go to college, maybe you grew up around you a college or, or you know did, a buddy yeah. you're good yeah. friends with that went there and, you know, it's more affordable it, it, at the moment. That may not be the case for long, but <laughs> that you could go to those games and, and you grew up going to those games. Or if you went to the school, you know, you've got that connection. Like, yeah, me and him, you know, same thing. Not really, but same guys, same school. Um, but if you keep getting Michael to a Vick point, a very similar life experience. Yeah. Right. If you keep, <laughs> if you keep doing this to the point where we can't even recognize what anything is anymore. And the, the average person becomes so jaded that they lose interest in college sports. Well, we don't have that connection to pro sports. So if you don't have that connection to college sports, there's going to be part of the reason I, I like the NFL as much as I do. Now I enjoy the NFL, but part of the reason I enjoy the NFL as much as I do is, oh, that guy went to JMU, that guy went to Virginia Tech. I'll, even if they're not on my team, yeah, I'll pay attention to how they do. Um, and I'll root for them. If that happens, I all of a sudden, I'm watching this one team. And if they're not good, I'm out. And that's not going to be just a football problem. That'll be a everything problem. And... Again, I, the pro sports are another thing with the media rights deals that is eventually going to burst, too. I, I I think the streaming services jump on that before they do college sports, but we'll see. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're already Apple's already getting in on MLS. The problem, with the, the, the problem for the pro sports, from what I've listened to, is that right now the leagues have that security with these networks, and they know what they got. And so they, they don't – like NBA wants Turner and ESPN to be – the biggest players in these next media. Yeah. Not that they don't want to cash in from a package, a Thursday night, like a Thursday night Amazon package is something very much on the table. Um, but like that kind of stuff for NBA for that, uh, like that stuff's there. They still want to like, they want the best of both worlds, but they feel secure with these networks, but that's right now. Like that's not, that's not going to last forever. So yeah, the NFL, the NFL likes CBS and Fox, like they're pretty happy re-signing with them. With more money, because those networks are throwing money at them, but at some point that won't be the case. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, I I listen to Levitard and John Skipper and David Sampson do a business segment usually once a week where they tackle some of these issues. And when it comes to college sports, yeah. John Skipper has long said, when these mega conferences happen, look for March Madness to change in a way you don't recognize it, where they're just going to look at these other conferences and say, we don't need you, it's us. And they'll turn they'll turn the story around it right. as the, the Vanderbilt equivalent. You know, this, this. But my thing to that would be, and I, I say this every time he says that, I was like, well, that'll kill college basketball. Yeah, it will be terrible because a lot of those connections are people jumping on that small school. And, and like, even though it's a small number, it's still those that connection people have with that small school. And it's different and it gets so much more excited. It was kind of like when JMU made the run in softball. I know that's not a major sport but like that got so much hype and it, it turned into a nationwide thing of how much hype that was like 
you're going to lose that when the lowest you can get is Rutgers. Like that's not. I was going to say Rutgers. Rutgers upsetting Purdue or Rutgers upsetting UVA doesn't hit the same no, as UMBC upsetting UVA, right? It does not. Right. Lehigh beating Duke hits different yeah. than you know Vanderbilt. It was it. Furman, Furman this year? Yeah. yeah, Furman upsetting Duke is different Let's than... Let's only name teams that beat UVA. Let's only talk... <laughs> but those hit Furman, different. UMBC. <laughs> those hit different than, you know, uh, Syracuse in a bad year upsetting somebody or whatever, yeah. or Georgetown no, yeah. beating somebody. Like, it doesn't hit the same. And I, how often do we talk about college basketball before February? Almost never. So if you get rid of the Cinderella story, I, I think you get rid of college basketball and the average fan just does not care. That was the argument I made on why college football didn't want to expand the playoff. Yeah, but uh, see, my, my <laughs> difference there would be you're adding the Cinderella <laughs> aspect. I want you to only talk about that in December. But if you bring in the Cinderellas, it matters because then that playoff upset matters and that creates yeah. even more hype for that playoff would be my counter. We don't, but, we don't need to jump into that argument. Everybody's heard it enough times, <laughs> but we'll see what they do. And, and again, I, I'm hoping more for the college football conferences just are different than everything else conferences. And we avoid that March madness. Yeah, I do too. Prediction. Um, uh, but I want to hit on the other negative story because I think the last two things we have might be positive or hopefully positive. I, I don't know. know. You're talking about one of them, so it might not be. Um, but let's talk about Michael Orr real quick. That news kind of broke on Monday here. Uh, Michael Orr is the player that was featured in the movie Blind Side about the family taking in uh, the player and um, Ooh, yeah. in the movie adopting him. And <laughs> then him Sandra going Sandra Bullock, to- apparently not that nice. College. Yeah, this is Sandra Bullock's fault. Uh, it's like you're saying that damn Sandra Bullock and Tim McGraw. Those people are evil. Well, I um, knew Tim McGraw was bad. I saw him punch. Yeah, yeah. Friday Night Lights. Yeah, was, I saw him. I saw him as a dad before trying to punch the ball out of his son's hand. <laughs> um. So the story on Monday is that he's suing the family because truths have come out about surrounding him and how things have been misconstrued pretty directly. Like it's hard not to look at the family and just kind of assume some guilt here because he wasn't adopted at all. It was a conservatory or conservatory ship or whatever you, how you phrase it. The same thing that Britney Spears has, but it was like they told him they adopted, but they only did that. So they control all the money that he should be making off being the subject of that movie. And he hasn't been getting any money. And then you hear about the family members that have been getting money, as as they probably are too, because they're in the movie too. Like I like their character, their personality, and everything is portrayed in the movie. So like, I'm not saying no one should get money, but like he hasn't been given what was rightfully his. So I know there's gonna be more facts. I don't have a whole lot to say about. It. I hate it. I hate hearing about this. Um, you know, it was a solid movie. It's not one of my favorites. I know other people really love that movie, and it's not. It's never been one for me. Like, oh, that Blind Side is my favorite movie. Um, but it was solid and like. You got it. You understood why people liked it. I just hate. I hate this one turning negative. And uh, I'm I'm on the player side initially here. I don't have a reason not to be. I don't know what would take me off of it. Um, but I don't know. There's probably more to know, and and maybe the fact that out there that could change my mind is out there. But I'm not quick to it. I'm. It seems like the guy that's the the idea of the movie 
should not be questioning about lies that were told in that movie about him and portrayed for a long period of time and also the money related to it shouldn't be questioned so yeah if only there was an organization that is supposed to look into these kind of things and do background checks and say okay this person is allegedly being adopted that's why we're gonna let him go to school here um did that actually happen i don't know Probably the same group that could have done an investigation also on the Johnny Manziel oil money uh, and didn't. So, oh well. Um, they determine people's eligibility and like now they're telling people. We just had, a, we just had an entire segment telling how the NCAA bill is not going to exist pretty much. <laughs> Maybe it's a good thing. Yeah. And, and now they're telling <laughs> players that. And look, I am no UNC fan, especially when it comes to football, but that football player who transferred to North Carolina to be near his dying grandma. So she could go to games. She's never seen him play. And if he plays at North Carolina, she'll be able to go to games. Told him, Nope, sorry. Not eligible. I don't understand how anybody, I don't get, I don't get how they decide who's eligible and who's not. It's a rattler. Yes. It seems like every time that decision gets made, it seems like every time that decision gets made, I'm like, I would have made the opposite decision. I, that doesn't we make sense. We had one. Virginia Tech had a player. Yeah. We had a guy that had to sit. Yeah, it was at center. I can't remember. He ended up now. not being good. The NCAA was trying to do his favor. Um, but. <laughs> I don't love that. But, I, it's like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get how anybody's not eligible now. Everybody seems to transfer on a whim. <laughs> that, that's true. If a coach in a school can just pick up and leave conferences or jobs willy-nilly, why can't the player at this point just be like, you know what? I don't feel like it. Don't we have like a semi-local player that just transferred from North Carolina to Virginia Tech in basketball? And like, I'm I'm a fan of that, but like, why can't? Why can't they do that? Why can't they do that? I don't see why he can do that and this guy can't. I am more for that guy should be able to transfer to UNC. That's my answer to that. I'm not trying to take anything away from anybody else. They're already getting it then why are we saying no to this guy? It's it's mind-boggling to me. And I know play, people might be looking at him and be like, well, he's transferred to three or four different schools and blah, blah, blah. But when you look at it, like each time he's transferred, there's been a reason. A coach has but left. so is everybody else just to play sooner. Yeah, and, and I don't have a problem with that. I am not one of these people, you know, I, Tubby Smith and his what his dad told him when he was there and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, all right, Tubby, like, I, what do you want? How much money are you worth, Tubby? Like, this kid, yes, NIL helps a little bit, but if the kid wants to leave somewhere to get more playing time, to have a future in professional sports, no matter how crazy I think that is for that particular individual, fine. Whatever. Why do I care? It doesn't hurt me. If there's a school that tells him he can play there and will give him playing time, let him go. I don't care. I don't care if it's, you know, well, back in my day, we had to work hard. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, well, back in your day, I wasn't watching Virginia Tech play in the ACC, like, uh, or USC playing in the Big Ten. Uh, what are we doing? I I am not a fan of that being the only reason we shouldn't have the transfer portal. Well, we need people to work harder. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thanks, That's Grandpa. How about this? How about you tell me how to work your iPhone? No, you can't. Okay, well, why don't you work a little harder then instead of complaining about technology, Grandpa? Hey, Tubby Smith, 
back in my day, people didn't fall off on the motorcycle onto the basketball court and need to be helped up. Why don't you work harder and get it off yourself? Do you want to talk about your weekend or you want me to talk about my weekend first? <sighs> Let's do mine just in case you don't like it. Um, I went to Pittsburgh this weekend. It was, uh, I guess, I don't know, a batch weekend. It was a combined bachelorette slash bachelor party thing for hey, some friends hey, I have. Let me hold on a second real quick <laughs> with this. I, I, I don't know if these people listen to our podcast. Your they probably don't. Went on this I hate combined bachelor, bachelorette, or co-ed, uh, what are the showers? Just, just do it. Like, these are such old school things that happen. We can just do them the old school way. Like we don't Co-ed have showers. To I don't it. necessarily have a problem with, but I, it, I, <laughs> you're not I picking do. up on the joke. It's there. just like, just let like, you're the not last picking up on the joke. Shower, here. That's okay. The last co-ed shower. <laughs> I got you now. Sorry. The last co-ed wedding shower. Uh, actually the baby shower that I went to, uh, like all the women were inside and they did the game and, and whoever wanted to be there. I'm not saying it has to be women, but whoever was interested in it was in there. And then all the people that they drug to this thing happened to be a lot of dudes were just standing outside in the 90 degree heat, keeping themselves as hydrated as they could. Like, I just, it's just not just like, we can all separate. We can, we can handle being apart for just a couple hours or a day or whatever it takes to celebrate with, other groups of friends, or don't do it. I think that's my thing. Either do it like the old school way where you're not dragging people to these things that don't want to be there or putting people in the groups together that don't really need to be together, or don't do it. Like, don't call it a bachelor or anything. Like, just, hey, we're going, in this case, to Pittsburgh. I'm not against, maybe you had a fun time and all that. I'm not really saying that. And I'm just using the example because it's in front of me. But, like, you know, how – how many of the women's party did you really know going into this? I knew zero of them. Only two how, showed up. And so you might, be you know what? Into my Let's reason. go ahead. Let's unpack this a little bit. Cause no one, um, no one that I'm about to talk about listens to this podcast. I feel fairly comfortable about that. Uh, especially the people I'm about to talk about right now. I'm, I'm really not trying to dig on your specific. No, no, no. So We're going to dig in now. You've done this. So, I am fine. I am fine not knowing the other people on the other end. Um, You're going to see. And there was there was there was a thing that happened before that I won't get into about who pays for what uh, that I am very not interested in. I'm very not interested in seeing some of those people. Um, But. (laughs) That aside, um, the reason this happened is. She's a Pirates fan. He's a Reds fan. The Reds and Pirates were playing each other that weekend. They ended up going to two games that weekend. The rest of us only went to one. Um, we we and most of the other friend group on the guy's side ended up hanging out. And even the bride and groom hung out with us Saturday night. Um, we got there Saturday. We did some stuff in Pittsburgh Saturday. Saw the city a little bit um, and, and explored the city. Now, what you're talking about where people can break up and separate a little bit and do their own thing, I uh, this is where, again, I could get in trouble if a f- particular friends listen to this, but I feel confident um, that that's not going to happen. So if you know anyone else that was there, don't be a narc. Um, but <laughs> there may have been a moment where we were walking around the stadium and we had to wait up for people who 
we lost. And I may have said to my brother who was sitting, standing next to me, I didn't realize we were all bleeping children. I thought we were adults and could navigate our way back to our seats like bleeping adults. What the hell are we waiting for? And yeah. so, and that may have been toward the end of the trip where there has been very little sleep going on. And I may have been at the point where I was agitated in the humidity. But let me talk first about the city and then I'll do the PNC I'm review. Not- Real quick on the old topic, I'm not trying to say it has to, it can't be co-ed, but I'm saying it doesn't it have to like, like you were saying everybody that. come to everything. Like not everybody's into everything. Oh my brother, yes. yes. Um, and, and honestly, if they had said, if the couples had all said, "Well, we're doing this because our significant others want to do this," blah blah blah, and so we're gonna go Who wants to come with and us? be a team Who wants partner. To go? I I would have very easily been like, you know what, guys, I'm cool going solo on this one. I'm gonna go do something over here. Peace out, Cub Scouts. Uh, cause we did do one thing and I guess this is where I'll start the segue. We did go to the Andy Warhol museum and I could have cared less. I, well, I couldn't have cared less. I, good Lord. I went in, I'm not saying all art is dumb. I, I appreciate art. I'm not even saying I hate every art museum. This Andy Warhol uh, came off, I went into that thinking my friend is over, because I had one friend who's already been, but he went again because his wife loves it. And while we're sitting down at lunch before we go, he goes, oh, this guy's a fraud. And I was like, that seems extreme. And he goes, okay. He goes, you, you get in there and you tell me. We get in there and there are drawings that Leland, I suck at drawing. I don't know how you are. I suck at it. If I were to make a drawing, it would look like a five-year-old did it. Also, my handwriting. But I saw Andy Warhol's drawings, and I was like, "Mm, I think I could do that. But that's art. When he gets older, this is when he's younger in his defense. When he gets older, he just traces pictures. That's all he does for his drawings. He's tracing pictures. And now it's art. This is where I'm going to pull it back in my day and be a little bit of an old man. Back in my day, that was called plagiarism. <laughs> like, that wasn't art. That was a crime. I was very, my teachers were very specific. You don't do that. Like, apparently it didn't, unless you're Andy Warhol. I mean, he also, this is art, Leland. He draws each. I'm sorry. He doesn't draw. He traces a high-heeled shoe, and above it writes, "This is a shoe," as if I wouldn't know what the hell it was. And I was like, "Good day." Now, there's other stuff in there. Again, all traces, pretty much for the most part. And then, in a what I guess is one of the earliest examples of a podcast. He sits down with a group of friends in, I don't remember what the hell they called it, the silver room or a room they put a bunch of aluminum foil in um, and sat a camera down and a microphone. And it was a group of him and I guess the Velvet Underground that was down there and talking in a absolutely horrendously recorded sound recording of them talking and there's video to go with it. So you can see. So, you know, that there are people there and they're trying to have a conversation, but the conversation is just someone going, what do you think, Paul? 
Paul, and Paul is zoned out because God knows what Paul's been into earlier in the day before the camera turns on. But he is staring off into space. Paul, 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 to the point where I'm sitting there going, God, I wish somebody would answer for Paul. Like, and so the guy goes, one guy comes out of nowhere, picks up the microphone, puts it in front of Paul, and then Paul goes, huh? And says something totally unrelated. And I was just like, this is art. I was like, this is garbage. I was like, I can't wait for there to be a damn museum built in Leland and I's honor. Because I'm not saying this, this is podcast art, is a... Yak is art. I, yeah, I'm not saying the Yak Sports podcast is the best podcast out there. But damn it. If Andy Warhol gets that in a museum for tracing and doing whatever the hell that was with the Velvet Underground, by God, Leland and I can have a damn museum in Greenville, Virginia, or wherever <laughs> they decide to put it. It's it was terrible. Oh, and the coup de gras of the whole Andy Warhol Museum comes near the end. He's got silver mylar balloons that you go in a room and you hit up in the air, and now you have Andy Warhol has made art. It's silver clouds where you go in and push mylar balloons in the air. But that's not all, Leland, because right outside the room. There's a piece of metal that Andy Warhol and some other dudes peed on, and it oxidized the metal and gave it a completely different look. And now Crap. that's art. And I was like, I, I, I was like, well, damn, though. I've made art. I've peed on metal. I have too. We actually had a a, a spade from a shovel that uh, was the location for me to pee on when we played basketball at the house I grew up in. So uh, Steve Cash and I have uh, created art. You've created art. They that. should put that hey. in our museum. Yeah. We'll I don't find that up, shovel. But... Find that shovel. We'll put it in the museum. <laughs> Leland Pete here. Not, I'm not touching it. It's called the shovel. <laughs> and we'll yeah, write, but, yeah. this is a pea shovel on it. So people know. Yeah. I'm it telling was... you. I, I vow, I, there are artists that, there's some art that I just don't like, this included. But I can say, you know what? It's just not for me. I respect their artwork. I don't respect anything this man has ever done. All he did was trace. Hey, he made a Campbell's can. And pee. No, he didn't. He traced the damn Campbell's can. <laughs> I know he did. <laughs> what is it? This could be a tracing. What is it? Didn't, uh, yeah, this like could be a trace. <laughs> yeah. It is. Pam is more talented than Andy Warhol. Also, some of the things he does, because I know what people are going to say, oh, well, Joe, I mean, he edited, he printed these pictures and then added different colors to them to give it an artistic look. Some of it he doesn't even keep between the damn lines. I'm telling you, I have seen elementary schoolers make better art than Andy Warhol. That's where my problem is. When I see the dried globs of paint on the artwork and it looks just horrendous, I'm like, now, I know damn good and well when I did that in elementary school, I got a bad grade because I didn't push the paint over and I didn't keep it between the lines and spread it out evenly. I wish I could go back and find Mrs. Green and drag her by the ear into that Andy Warhol museum and say, look at this damn shit. I know you loved it. I know you love Andy Warhol. I was doing Andy Warhol before. <laughs> How was the stadium? Tell me how the stadium was. Oh, before we get to the stadium, something okay. else. There are a couple something things that we negative. did do that I did like. Now, I there will say go. this. Walking through Pittsburgh, um, architecturally, 
not the most beautiful city. Color-wise, not the most vibrant city. But I didn't find it bad. I didn't, I didn't sit there and think, I'm not safe. Um, yeah. There are parts that are very dirty. I saw something I've never seen before, which was a dead condor that had been cleaned by some kind of animal, um, which I never saw. Thank goodness. I'm assuming a dog. Um, but there were, I saw more dead birds on this trip than I have ever seen in my life. Um, that's, those are down, uh, those spy cameras that have failed, right? Probably it's near the river, which maybe explains why they're dead. Um, (laughs) but I did, I also saw someone get in that river, which I was like, bold. Um, Yep. I was screaming from the bridge. Don't do that. Don't do that. I don't care if your boat's stuck. You don't get in. Um, but yeah. Anyway, while we're walking, one of the things that I did appreciate, and I actually think is a plus, not a ton of car traffic in the city of Pittsburgh. Yeah. It's very well spread out. Now, we, were, we stayed on mainly one side of the city, uh, uh, of the river there, but we didn't go up the mountain to that portion of the city. Um, but I, overall, I, I very much enjoyed yeah, the city of Pittsburgh. I when you come in to Pittsburgh, you drive through the tunnel, oh, and, yeah. and you come out, and there's the city. I thought that oh, was great. Awesome. I was like, that yeah. was smart. That's that was smart. Yeah. That is very cool. Um, the we went to a mini golf place that was called the Puttery. Very fun time. It was a very cool kind of thing. It was an indoor mini golf course. I will say a little expensive if I'm going to be picky. Paying $18, I thought $18 for 18 holes is steep. Imagine my surprise when I found out it was $18 for nine holes. Um, <laughs> but we, they also serve you alcohol, which does take away some of that sticker yeah. shock, and you just get power through. I did set the course record for the day on the quote-unquote hardest course that they have, which uh, was pretty cool because I sucked at the easiest course. Um, but... Overall, a good experience there. And then we went to a Barcadia, which there are apparently there are multiple yeah. locations of a puttery, and there are multiple Barcadia locations. This one in particular, though, was different than the Texas one my brother and I had been to. Um, the Texas one was all old school games and and obviously a bar. Um, the, the Now, the Texas one also, you pay a cover and you're in. That covers everything but the alcohol. Uh, this, there's no cover, but you're paying money yeah, to play the games. Play. Um, yeah. There's also, though, at this one, newer games. Um, they had like an old school wing at the top and newer games at the bottom downstairs, uh, which cool. I found both very cool. Uh, we, yeah. you know, we played, it wasn't Papa Shot, but it was, you know, a knockoff of Papa Shot. Uh, we played some uh, skee ball. We played some shooting games. We played some driving games, the upstairs where the classic games were. And we, we did play some other games up there. They also had a DJ. I'm guessing that's a weekend thing. They had a DJ playing a lot of like two thousands, nineties, uh, R and B mostly rap songs, which was pretty cool. Actually, um, turned back the time machine. We had a good time there. Um, that was very fun. And then we, so that closes that night. We go to the game Sunday. Um, and PNC Park, uh, when you get in, there was a lot going on outside the stadium that particular day. 
Um, but we get into the stadium, walk around a little bit. I very much, and this is one of the things that, one of the biggest gripes I have with Nats Park is where it's laid out, where they have the opening in the outfield and what your view is versus what's behind the stadium. If you were to turn around and look behind the stadium, what your view could be. At PNC Park, they did a great job. It's low-level seating in the outfield, so you see the bridges, you see the river, and as dirty as that river is, it does make for a great backdrop. And and they have the bridges, which is cool. Um, It was a very fun experience. It's super convenient from where we were. We were across the river from the park, but it was super convenient to get over there. A little less convenient than it could have been because Clemente Bridge is closed. So we had to go over the fraud bridge of Andy Warhol which is the next bridge down. What do you mean? You were driving? No, we walked. Um, oh, so they're doing construction and something on Roberto. Oh, Usually that, you yeah. just walk across it. It's, so apparently, it's, it's apparently been going on for a while. Uh, was okay, so a temporary inconvenience. Yes, like, okay, temporary I, inconvenience. I can, I can we couldn't cross, yeah. yeah, we couldn't cross the Clemente Bridge. We had to walk one bridge down to the Broad Bridge. I mean, that's, I love that walk over there on game day. It's fun. Yeah, it was, that's I mean, good. we, we yeah. did it just on a different bridge and everybody was doing it. So it was fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it the park itself is is great. Um, there's like a little river walk area down there too. That's part of the park that you can go down. Um, go all the way to the football stadium down there too. Yep. Um, our hotel was actually right. It, if we had decided to get hepatitis A through Z, we could have swam through the river and ended up right yeah, near the football cause stadium because we were across. I stayed in that same hotel. It's it's a nice spot. Yeah. It, okay. So talking about the hotel. New experience that I've never had. Um, We check in. We are getting ready to leave the hotel to meet the friends I mentioned earlier for lunch before we go to the Andy Warhol Museum. We are going on the elevator down. We pass the floor we pressed, go one floor below it, come to an abrupt stop. (laughs) The elevator (laughs) shakes and starts going up. (laughs) <laughs> and the doors don't open and we stop. And I was like, not great. My brother's like, Oh, let me try the key again. So he presses the key to the thing to activate the elevator, pushes the floor. We want, we keep going up, but not at a steady rate. It's shaking. And we are going fairly quickly before it comes to an abrupt stop again. And I'm like, I am not having fun. Oh. I'm not having fun. Yeah. And so I'm saying, push the call button, push the call button push the call button. He's like, there is no call button. I was like, it's the one with the DM bell, which is actually the alarm button. It didn't work. So we find the call button. We press that. And we get connected with the front desk. She's like, how can we help? And I was like, we're in elevator number three. I'm pretty sure we're stuck between floors. Uh, and the elevator is kind of doing some weird things. And she goes, well, what floors are you between? And I was like, I would love to tell you, but it doesn't tell me. The arrow is just pointing up on the screen. And she goes, what elevator? And I was like, elevator number three. And and she says, did you say number three? At which point I am starting to lose my patience. I'm like, yes, elevator number three. And she's like, okay. And then we don't hear from her. I don't know if she's gone, if we've lost connection, or what. The elevator keeps going up. Eventually, it goes all the way to the top floor, which is the grand suite 
for a bridal party that was there, a different bridal party, not our bridal party, but a different wedding party, opens up at the grand ballroom level, hotel or whatever. And so we get off, and my brother and his girlfriend were like, oh, let's go down the stairs. I'm looking at it, and I'm like, 24 flights of stairs, I'll be damned. So <laughs> I pushed the down button. I'd rather risk death. <laughs> I would. I Well, because, and here's my thought process. It's not the going down the 24 flights of stairs. We are setting a dangerous precedent if I let them win that argument. This is me not thinking short-term, but big-term, long-term. Long-term is the correct usage. Sometimes, sometimes my words don't work so good. Um, but I was like, guys, if we get a different elevator, it'll be fine. Because we stayed on the seventh floor. And what I didn't want to do after a long day of being out and walking was try to go up seven flights of stairs because we we're still scared of elevators. So we push that. We get a different elevator. That elevator works great. No troubles. Um, but my goodness, was that a terrifying experience to start off our yeah, trip in Pittsburgh? Yeah. Now, did I mention after we got out, did I mention I have survived a tornado warning this week? I have survived an idiot on the interstate swerving and cutting me off on the way to Northern Virginia the night before. And I have survived uh, the elevator experience. Was I scared when Pittsburgh was under a tornado watch when I was there? No. And I, I said to the group who there was someone who was like, oh, there's a tornado watch. Should we be, you know, should we be going out to this place? You know, what if something happens? And I was like, I'm telling you right now, the amount of things I have survived this week, ain't nothing bad going to happen here. So not scared. There was no tornado in Pittsburgh. It did storm. Um, and at which point we were walking to where we're going. And again, the same person was like, oh, I don't know. Should we just take an Uber, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I... Not enough hair. That that storm does not have enough hair on its ass to strike me with lightning. <laughs> Which my brother thought was hilarious. The person who I said it to did not think it was funny and thought I was tempting fate. Um, but uh, what was the other thing I was going to say here? Uh, I want to hear about the oh, stadium. Your thoughts on the stadium? The the uh, the hotel also has thin walls. Okay, I yeah. Keep moving. I said about the stadium. I like the I like the backdrop. That's it. Like I liked our seats. I like the concourse there. It's comfortable. Like... Where we sat was comfortable. It was a padded seat. We were in like a suite level. So not they like won. the, the sweet, Pirates sweet. won the game you were at. I was happy about that. Oh, that sucked. <laughs> that sucked. Someone may have invested in the Reds, and someone may have invested in Ellie De La Cruz <laughs> hitting a home run, which he did in game number two Ooh, of the day. Because... Brian Not game Roberts number one. Had a nice little robbery down the line of him. That was in game number two because game number oh, one, it? he struck out every time he came up to the plate. Mm. Brian Roberts had a couple home runs, I think, in game two. Yeah, Ellie hit a home run in game number two too, like a jerk. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. Overall, very fun, very fun day. Uh, fun, excuse me, fun weekend. The park is great there. I would put it right now, I would put it at number two. I've been to four. Uh, to I'll me, to me, I do like Camden Yards more. I will yeah. probably acknowledge there might be a little Orioles bias in that. Um, but the warehouse is really awesome. Similar to your mascot pick, a little homerism here. Maybe. Um, the 
<laughs> I will. The pierogies are dumb. Um, I don't. The pierogi race is dumb. But whatever. Um, that's neither here nor there. Um, I, the the river is a cool drop for PNC. I I like the warehouse and you know the Utah Street and everything well, that you got to use what you got. And we, yeah, both stadiums. Right, both stadiums yeah. have done that, which I appreciate. I would put Globe Life at three. Um, if I was counting both Globe Lifes, I would put the new one three, the old one four. That mainly because if you're going to watch a game in Texas, indoors really does matter. Um, being outdoors in July is a hell that no one should experience. The Nats Park, so that one's fifth. Nats Nats Park would be last. Um, so fifth. Uh, Nats Park is behind the ballpark in Arlington, like before the before they named it before Globe Life. Globe Life. Or- Field, I think Globe Life Field is now. It was Globe Life Park before. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, I would put Nats Park last. And, and Nats Park, you know, we'll see. Uh, who knows where my where I end up next for my next stadium that I go to. But it's not it, – Nats Park is not going to be high. And it – honestly, because I'm assuming at today's day and age – now, there will be some that are historic that I will probably rate lower. Um, because just out of sheer enjoyment of my experience of being there, um, comfort is probably going to be something that is I'm going to take for granted at most of these parks. I'm taking that for granted at Nats Park. If somebody's like, oh, the seats are comfortable, well, damn, I hope so. Like, the the whole purpose of me watching this game is for me to sit in my seat and watch it. Um, it it's, it's just Nats Park is just a park. There's nothing cool about it. There's no redeeming qualities about it. I like how you can see the field the whole time when you're walking around. And I know not, not every stadium has that. I appreciate that. Yeah. But it's common in the newer ones. It's common in the newer ones. But, like, having been to older stadiums and not having that, like, I appreciate that about Nats Park. Yeah. Um, I, I will say, like, I haven't been to Fenway or Wrigley yet. I, I know a big knock on Fenway is – your seat is not necessarily facing home plate like most modern stadiums. Um, and I've heard more negativity about Wrigley than I have Fenway. There's also that about Wrigley as well, but Wrigley has renovated recently. And so I don't, you know, who knows where I sit that might also impact that. Um, but I haven't been to those, so I can't accurately rate them yet. Um, but yeah, I would say that's where I am right now. Um, and yeah, Nats Park is is what it is. Well, I'm glad you at least swallowed a little bit of pride of, and you know, you hate all things Pittsburgh for at least to be honest about the stadium. So I'll take I'll take it. Yeah, it was it was cool. Um, I do you want me to talk about my sports thing before you talk about your thing? Do you want your thing to be the last thing? I don't know what sports thing do you have? The Women's World I'm Cup. Yeah, okay, I stopped I stopped watching. <laughs> Australia versus France was an amazing game. Yeah, I stopped watching. That that was, I think it was the longest penalty shootout there has been in a World Cup, men's or women's. Um, and it was phenomenal to watch. Australia ends up upsetting France, one of the favorites to win now that the U.S. was out. The host nation, yeah. Australia, wins. They are now in the semifinal, which is a Ooh. huge, huge win. They will play Spain. Um, England is going to play... I don't know. Sweden. Sweden. 
Yeah, so they beat the Netherlands. They did. Uh, they no, they beat Colombia. England beat Colombia. Okay. Uh, the Netherlands lost to Spain. Spain, yeah, 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 yeah. My bad. I guess we'll just stop there. Um, Spain versus Sweden in a semifinal tomorrow at four a.m. Okay, so it's Spain, Sweden, and England plays Australia. Right. Oh, that's right. That's the. The, the prisoners versus the home the colony playing the motherland. Yep, uh, that'll be that'll be honestly both of those semifinals should be fun. Um, the England ones at six a.m. I can do that. Is that tomorrow? That's Wednesday. Tomorrow four a.m. is Sweden Spain. Okay, I might be able to do that at four a.m. Right. I mean, record it and watch it when you first. Well, get that's up what it'll be. It'll be the DVR. It'll be yeah. the DVR. I might try to enter back in here the semifinals. I I I dumped. It's been an exciting tournament. Weekend. Yeah, yeah. Good matches. It's just the timing. It, like the timing is what hurts me. Even before USA was out of it, it just that I, I haven't been watching near as much as I've watched right. previous ones when it was in Canada and stuff. Like when it, when they're on at easy times to watch, I'm I'm absolutely watching. I would. I'm I, I like it. It's fun to watch. But the Australia keeper, I do have to say this before we move on. There was one moment in the PK shootout where she makes a save. They go to VAR. She left the line early, so France gets to retake it. The goalie saves it again and then stands up and stares at the referee until she gets the all clear. It was the most gangster thing ever. I'm going to watch that one then. That was cool. I mean, I, I want, I don't know. Goalkeepers can be fun. So, yeah. It honestly made me think, like, I want there to be more taunting <laughs> in penalty more. shootouts. We need that. But anyway. We need more bat flips and soccer. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, my last thing, and I won't, I won't be too long-winded about this, but Tyler Childers concert at Meriwether Pavilion right outside Baltimore. We went and had a great time. Uh, he put on a heck of a show, the opening acts of um, – Abby Hamilton, who I'd never heard of and has very few listens on Spotify. She's very new, but she has a album coming out. She was solid. She, she sounded good. No, no show around her. I mean, it's just her singing on a stage with a monitor up top that just says her name, uh, not in block letters. Um, but yeah, she was good. So I'm interested to see how she does. Uh, drive by truckers. Uh, I don't know. They just wasn't as much my thing. There, a lot of the in-between talking they had, I don't know, it was just a little more hardcore than I guess I roll. Um, and that's saying I'm watching Tyler Childers next, who has lived some hard life. Uh, and But I just don't know. Drive by Childers was my favorite. But Tyler Childers was. It was fun. We had great seats. It's a nice venue. Parking, terrible. And I could give a Joe rant on that, but I'll save you guys all. Uh, the biggest problem was with it. Some idiot drove their car into the parking garage up to the top floor nice. with only like two miles to empty. So uh, some people might've put themselves in a bad situation to complain about the parking. So I don't know what kind of crazy person would do that, but uh, one that was trying to get to the concert on time and enjoy it. And we did. So it all paid off and we all got out of there with into a gas station in time afterwards, after every car left that place. Um, that's but, actually probably you know, it was a smart good. decision. Concerts yeah. were good. He played all of the songs. Uh, Feathered Indians, he didn't play, which surprised me. Huh. And Charleston Girl, I would have liked him play, but I know that is more, um, that's an older song of his and probably more the vibe of the college bar scene than it is 
mean, he has a lot of songs to play. So I give him credit. He played all the rest of the hits. They were great. Played a cut like two or three ones that I wasn't as familiar with. And for me not to be familiar with means they're coming on out on an upcoming album because I listened to a lot of Tyler Childers. Um, it was good. It was a very good show. Enjoyed it. Good energy. He started out slow. He sat at, he did like acoustic thing early and then had a long stretch of like upbeat, loud, and uh, a lot of good stuff. So I really enjoyed it. Good venue, uh, good trip up there, good hotel, no elevator issues. It was nice. It was good. That's good. Time. That is good. I'm glad you didn't have elevator issues because that I will say at, at work really and I'll, just, I'll leave where at work is we installed a two-story elevator and we were getting reports right after we turned the elevator over when I was still around the facility hey there's issues it's making noises it's kind of shaking and uh, that's a feeling I, I I know what you're saying when you get on an elevator and it's not doing right and <laughs> it starts shaking or starts making noises or starts moving differently I know the feeling you're talking about luckily in that elevator it was two floors so the maximum I'm gonna drop is 10 15 feet uh, and I had been in that elevator pit before so I knew exactly what spring we would hit if everything lost control and all that so I had a little more confidence I going up how many stories did you say 16 yeah no. It was 24. We got to the bottom, and then we went all the way up. I don't know if I'd get back on an elevator right then. I think I'd walk down the stairs. I think I'm with your brother. I was was thinking more of the seven floors we'd have to walk up after walking all day in the city that I didn't want to do. So, um, yeah, no, it's... Maybe maybe later that night after they had some time to... Maybe have someone work on it or something, but maybe not that box. I'm probably not getting that box again. Oh, no, no, no. That was elevator number three, and I promise you, every time we got onto an elevator, we made sure that one wasn't elevator number three. Definitely not getting on elevator three. That in the moment, I might have just walked down the stairs to get out of that building. It was bad. And, Yeah. yeah, we may have joked with another person that was coming. Now, we were the only people in that elevator, which also sucked. Um. Although I guess it's better to not have randos who maybe wouldn't have handled the situation. Not that we were totally cool, calm, and collected, but nobody freaked out and started screaming. Um, I don't know what would happen if we threw randos into the mix. Um, There was a guy who was getting on, and uh, they were checking out. This was like the next day, Sunday. They were checking out, and he's like, uh, his wife says, oh, good morning to us when she gets on. And her husband goes, oh, I'll tell him if it's a good morning here in an hour. <laughs> and I started laughing. And uh, I was like, oh, did you guys uh, get stuck on an elevator or something? He goes, no, why? <laughs> at that time, the elevator closes. <laughs> 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 I was like, no, that was us yesterday. I was like, different elevator than this one, though. He goes, oh, okay. Wow. But, um, yeah. But, yeah, it was uh, the thin walls. It, let me tell you, let me put it to you this I, way, Leland. I don't the, know if I the, want the story. The walls were so, no, it's not that. The walls were so thin, at one point in the middle of the night, I thought someone was in our bathroom showering. Yeah. I was I because it's the middle of the night. It's still dark outside. Like we went to bed at I don't know, like a little after midnight, one a.m., one thirty, whatever time the Orioles game ended that night, where we won an extra innings. By the way, um, 
We went to bed. Seven and three in their last ten. I know. We're great. Um, oh, I can't believe I didn't talk about that uh, uh, in a minute. Um, so, <laughs> but it's still dark outside, and I hear a shower running, and I'm sitting there thinking, which one of these bleeping idiots has to take a shower at like three or four in the morning? And I'm tired. I'm now woken up. I'm getting cranky, and I roll over, and I see my brother and his girlfriend are both still asleep. And I'm like, well, who's in there? Now we got a different problem. <laughs> now I'm awake. <laughs> so <laughs> I get up and I'm like, ah, oh, not our bathroom. Cool beans. Go back to bed. And I was like, man, that's thin. And uh, yeah, at, at seven in the morning, it was a separate problem of everybody running around and being active while we are very much not active after a late night of drinking um, at 7 a.m. But yeah, the game on Sunday, Leland, was amazing. The Orioles win that one in extras, too. In the ninth, the Orioles get the lead when Jorge Mateo slides in safely at home. But then Michael... Nice play at court, too. Mm-hmm. Michael Bauman comes into the ball game to try to get his first ever career save. Gets the first out. The second out is one that was absolutely rocketed to center field. Cedric Mullins goes up, robs it. I'm screaming in the back of my brother's girlfriend's car about this catch. And then Michael Bauman says, don't worry, this next one won't be caught. And absolutely, the Seattle Mariners put a ball on the freaking moon. I don't remember the guy's name because he's only hit two home runs in his career. But that one, I, has to be the most flush he's ever hit. Ties the game. Bauman comes out. New guy comes in, gets the last out. And then we go with the uh, Vespi. Then we go into our half of the 10th, get the runner over to third. What does Cedric Mullins do after robbing a home run? Comes up in the top half of the 10th, absolute rocket out of the park, gives us the two-run lead. We come back in the bottom of the 10th, we slam the door shut and win the game 5-3, take the series over the Seattle Mariners. Now we're playing the Padres. Haven't seen a score there yet, but you got to think, the way the Orioles are playing, Leland, this this is just fun. We're up four to one in the seventh. But yeah, it's just a lot of fun right now with the Orioles. I mean, we're up four to one here in the seventh again. Um, Grayson's pitching. This is his second straight game where he did well. Yeah, I I had him early in the year and I didn't pick him up soon enough here when he was back in action. So I'm a little mad about that. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm happy for him. But here's the here's the thing that my brother and I were doing on the way back. That is fun to do if you're an Orioles fan because this has never been a problem in our lifetime. Where we're talking, okay, we've got Gunner, we've got Westberg. What do we do when Holiday comes up? What do we do when Joey Ortiz comes up? We got Ryan O'Hearn. Like, we've got too many players, which is a good problem to have. But again, like I told my brother, I was like, this is where I want to see somebody traded. Preferably, his name's not Jackson Holiday, but someone there needs to be traded for an actual bona fide starter because that's where our weakness is. I would like to see that done in the offseason. But right now, it's all steam ahead on the guys we've got. Kevin Brown was back in the booth this weekend. We won two out of three. Uh, he did say something on Sunday where I was like, mm, be careful. 
Um, because he had mentioned, you know, a guy had struck out all three times at the plate. Um, and that might be taken as negative. Uh, but yeah, it's been, it was, uh, it's been a good weekend. It's been a good year for the Orioles and, uh, looks like they're going to carry it over into this Padres series, which is great. Also Buck Walter has to get fired that Mets team. Yeah, he does. He's, he's getting it again, but also if you're a Nats fan, good on you sweeping the A's. Did you see the play where the ace pitcher got beat on the run to first? I did. Okay. I don't want to sound dramatic, and I don't know anything about that guy's season outside of that play. But if I was the if I was the manager of the Oakland A's, when that play happens, I am calling my GM and I'm telling him, I don't care where he goes, he's not coming back to Oakland or Las Vegas or wherever the hell we're playing. Absolutely not. Leave him in D.C. Lot to do there. Lots of culture. You can embrace the nation's capital. Not coming back. Yeah. The first baseman is on the back. If you haven't seen this play, uh, it's on Twitter. You can it's find everywhere. it. Yeah, I just brought it back up. But it's it's a comebacker to the mound. The pitcher fields it. The first baseman is literally standing on the bag waiting for him to flip it. The pitcher decides he's going to jog over to first, take it himself. No need to flip it over to first. The only problem is the guy's running down the baseline and beats the pitcher to first. So he's yeah. safe. Then they take a one nothing lead with him scoring and they win the game three to two. I'm telling you, I would have. Yep. Dangerous times. Well, we had fun weekends. I got another one coming up. I don't know how much I'll talk about it next week on the podcast. Uh, but, uh, it's a busy time. We got high school football starting. We did learn that uh, ESPN 1240 will be at Central Woodstock for that Riverheads game on opening weekend. So that'll be a fun Friday night at one of the biggest games of the week up there. So make sure you're listening to us in between now and then and then tuning in for us on the radio on that Friday night. And uh, we'll be back next week with more high school football talk. Um, probably touch on volleyball as that season's going to get going, but uh, really getting geared up uh for for football so we will be here to talk about it and all the sports that matter to you the augusta county sports fan you've been listening to yak sports your augusta county sports podcast